Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down Talk Podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Tom Vera. Marler, Baton Rouge slash New Orleans weekend is here. Yeah! <laughs> By the time people are listening, you are probably already going to be in Louisiana. Yeah, I, that is that is a real thing. I'm going to be there. Uh, that flight makes no sense to me. It's just like, it's. It, I leave at 8.30, I get there at 8.40. How well, do you have the world's on, busiest airport and you always get these ridiculous flights? I don't, dude, like, we, oh, let's just, yeah, we'll start it off with 30 seconds in. Let's already have, like, the peel behind the onion comment made. This, when we scheduled these stupid flights, I was like, you we, you couldn't get anything until Friday, like, late. And I was like, oh, let's just go to Thursday. We'll go a day early. And then somehow exactly. by Thursday, there's they're like, you can go at 7 a.m. or you can go at 6 a.m. Like, which is it? <laughs> so, um, no, I'm pumped, though. So we're gonna, I'm going to get there tomorrow. Um... And, uh, and I'm not going to go straight to the casino, but we're going to have some fun, man. We're going to have some You're fun. You're not not going to go straight to the casino. Yeah, that's also, also a fair thing. But yeah, we're going to be we're gonna be with my friend Maria, who uh, lives in the French Quarter. She actually, uh, I think, has tickets to some fancy wine thing tomorrow night. I don't know if you want to do that. We'll figure it out. we got some stuff we'll it out. lined up. Sounds good, man. Yeah, we're going to be in Baton Rouge making a trip down on Friday. We're going to hang out there during the day. We want to see the campus. Never been to LSU before, so this is no. the first time for us, which is crazy as that sounds. We are super excited. Yeah, reach out if you're there. Yeah, reach out. We might have to stop by uh, our good old friend Paul and really, <laughs> really get the restraining order tested. Okay, so let's, yeah, again, let's let's definitely throw this out here. So we are going to Baton Rouge on Friday. I've never been there either. So this is, I'm pretty excited. Like, this is, so what we, what we deemed this and, and we tried to plan this around is, like, last year we went to Ole Miss. So since we haven't, I haven't been to all the, the stadiums, you haven't been to all the stadiums, we're going to do like a bucket list trip every year. And this is every our bucket year. list trip. We're going to Death Valley. Um, it's not a night game. It's still Death Valley. That's going to be awesome. So if you're there, hit us up. If you know of, of a, a tailgate or some a bar we should go to or any of that stuff, definitely let us know. Um, we could use a little uh, help with the tour guide. And also, we are going to go see Paul. And I need help with signs because I, I, I want to I make myself known. Like, hey, Paul's still here. Maybe that's what it says. Hey, Paul, I'm here. Restraining order over for and how and how many days? Like, well, it'll have been like yeah. what forty five days or something. It's been this many days since you've restrained me. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Um, we're we're really looking forward to this weekend. We're gonna have a lot of great coverage, I'm sure, from Baton Rouge. We're gonna be doing a lot of different things. Um, we're of course gonna talk Auburn, LSU. We're gonna talk a little SEC bowl or no bowl kind yeah. of like deal or no deal, but bowl or no bowl. See what I did there? I got there. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, we uh, were, we have an interview coming up with our good friend Cole Kubelik. Talked about a lot of different things with him as well. Man, he can talk. I, I always forget that when he comes on because you see these little snippets of what he does on the sideline, and it's thirty seconds, and How? then he gets on our, ours. And we I think we asked him what five questions, six questions before we had to go. It was it was one of those interviews where we were constantly deleting questions in the. Yes. Uh, in the Google Doc, but he—I mean, he's—he's he's just so knowledgeable, and everything he says is like his answers are great. It's so good. It, it's not one of those things like, all right, geez, man, yeah, like yeah. wrap it up. No, it's—it's it's like he just keeps going, and it's like, oh, here's another thing. Here's another. Thing. I learned so much. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. I could have basically written a column off some of the stuff that he was saying, and yeah. we trust Cole so much in his opinion. We value it a lot yeah. because he watches this game as close as anybody. So we've uh, definitely. You're going to want to stick around for that. We've got some Week 9 SEC picks and over-unders we're going to get to. Kind of try and get a little redemption in lock of the week. Hopefully that goes well for yeah. me. And as always, fourth and wrong. But before we get to all of that, Texas. Whoop, Padre. whoop. 
Wait, no. Um, Texas Pablo would be the Spanish, right? It's Texas you, Pete, okay? Don't start with this right now. Okay, my bad. Um, we're, I, it's not July 4th, but it's always America's birthday in this pod. And it's always Texas Pete's birthday as well. Um, we've done this uh, a lot. You know, we've talked about Hot Girl Fall. Very excited to announce. Uh, thanks to Pastor Patty Sue, we're, we're going to have our own Hot Girl Fall um, at, at the at the Marlowe household pretty pretty soon. We don't have a grill. We're going to get one. But for nice. those of you that have grills and you're a, a step ahead of me, um, I need your help. We want to see some some recipes, some uh, some tailgate ideas, and all different things that you are cooking on your grill for Hot Grill Fall. And make sure you send us the pics with the hashtag sauce like you mean it. Um, you guys have been sending some good stuff, man. It's almost like, did you see the nachos somebody sent the other day with Texas Pete? Oh. Like, it was like each chip was its own... Like, very well-constructed individual nacho. It looked incredible. We don't talk about the nacho use for Texas Pete very much, but I, that's a great place for some Texas Pete. It's, it looked awesome. It looked awesome. So, uh, whether it's nachos, whether it's chicken, whether it's ribs, I don't care. if it's. Don't put it in your cereal, probably, but whatever it is, send us a picture of it. Let us know how it is, um, and, and use the hashtag sauce like you mean it. Auburn, LSU. Oh, man. We're pumped. Very, very fired up to be there. We think that this game favors LSU for everything that we've seen so far this year. The high-powered offense. Okay, okay. I I won't get there yet. We'll save that for picks. But a lot of things going into this game that working against Auburn, one of them being that they haven't won in Death Valley in 20 years. That, obviously, a streak that they would like to be able to end in this. Not good. Joe Burrow, current leader in the Heisman Trophy odds with Tua banged up as, as, as of right now. Remember last year when we were, we were at Ole Miss, actually, and we were, watching, we were watching the first part of this game and then we didn't see the second half of this game. Yeah. We were at the Grove and the pass that Joe Burrow had to Derek Dillon. Yeah, that over the Dime. middle pass where he put it between four Auburn defenders, one of the best throws I've seen in a while. I mean, just yeah. just an on the money NFL level throw. So that was sort of, and I wrote about this for SDS, sort of a little bit of a a, a peek ahead to what we've seen so much of in 2019 from Joe Burrow. That is an offensive coordinator who trusts him to make these big-time throws down the middle of the field. They get the spacing to be able to get those matchups that they like in the middle of the field. We knew we know about the, the the success that Joe Burrow has had throwing over the middle of the field, right. but I didn't realize it was this good. So Cody Worsham, who does great work for LSU Sports Communications, uh, I reached out to him asking for this stat, and he came he came through a very very clutch for us. So Joe Burrow between the hashes this year is 120 of 143. That's 84 percent. It's stupid. He, he has a TD to INT ratio of 20 to one. And he's thrown for over 1,600 yards. That's so, just hash, passes in between the hashes. So uh, usually when I do like a deep dive into stats, I'll, I'll, like, I'll understand what I'm looking at and I'll understand what I'm writing down. And then something gets lost and I'm like, and let me tell you what I've learned. Because then I get all excited <laughs> and I'm like, there's like way too many numbers. And then I, but like, there was, this was one that I saw from Pro Football Focus a while ago. And they were talking about like where his throws are between... 0 to 10, uh, 11 to 20, and then 20 plus yards. And then it was obviously it was like left, right, middle. And the numbers in the middle of the field were astounding. Just astounding. Mm-hmm. He's been so good. And that's, that's I don't I mean, it's, I guess, interesting to me that that's the, where they've chosen to attack uh, that's so much. That's the best word, though. That's the verb yeah. that describes it, is attack. If yeah. you're working outside the hashes and you're doing this dink and duffs, 
dink and dunk stuff that we yeah. criticized La- Gus Malzahn for last year. Not being able to just take those shots over the middle of the field and say, you know what, we feel like we're going to be able to beat your secondary with our receivers. We trust our quarterback right. to fit the ball into a potentially tight window. That's what LSU has done so, so well this year and what's going to test Auburn in this game. Yeah. What's also underrated about this element is that it's not just Joe Burrow. It's not just Joe Brady. It's also these receivers who have been so good at getting over the middle of the field, yeah. doing th- stuff that a lot of college receivers are not willing to do. That is, be willing to, to trust their quarterback to put the ball on the money, and if they have to take a big hit, they have to take a big hit. Or, at the same time, to be able to find the soft spot in the zone, in the coverage, to be able to sit there yeah. and make a play. They have done that better than anybody in the country, and that's part of the reason why oh, they're currently at this point. Yeah, Terrace, Terrace Marshall expected back this weekend. Coach O said he should be ready to go for Saturday. That just is, in case it's Joe Burrow wanted another weapon. It's so like when I read that, I, I there were a few things because we're, I mean, we're getting closer to the 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 big matchup in in November. Like I, I know this is obviously a big matchup. I'm talking about for my team specifically playing LSU. It's like, wait, how are they getting healthier? Like, how is, how is this happening? And I tell you what, yeah, there's so much credit that needs to go to the receivers, and and I think what you're seeing here is a combination of a lot of things, but. Like, people always bring this up. LSU, they haven't had a good quarterback like this in over a decade, right? This is probably the best quarterback easily since Jamarcus Russell. I think we could agree on that. He's better than, he's played better than Jamarcus Russell. Yeah, but I was just saying, like, they haven't had yeah, a, yeah, a notable yeah. or even, like, above-average quarterback. Or, you know. So, that's that's obviously a big part of it. But you look at, like, it's it's almost like this baffling thing where you look at LSU receivers that are in the NFL and, like, you have Jarvis Landry and OBJ. And, you know, I remember when Ruben Randall came in, he was the number two overall player in the country. He's five-star receiver. And their production, it wasn't like it was bad in college, but it wasn't like this. And a lot of that has to do with the offense and all that kind of stuff. But when you have multiple people, like multiple, multiple receivers that are like are as dangerous as the other, that that's it's so difficult to defend. And I tell you what's been very impressive is to watch uh I'm gonna say his name like Clyde Edwards Elaire. That you know? was good. Yeah, thank you. I didn't say hyphen. I usually say don't pronounce the hyphen, that's what I've read. Um, but he's been like they've like loosened up the defense and and kind of created I guess like a they're not going to ever stack the box on him anymore and so he's exactly. able to also attack the middle and run between the, the tackles and break off these huge long runs and the receivers are even good at blocking they are they are that's, that's the other underrated thing they just have weapons galore as we know so one little quick thing that I wanted to add on Joe Burrow just before we talk we're going to talk Auburn don't worry and what this matchup entails no but I'm not. If you go back 11 games, so the last four games of last year, and I did 11 instead of 12 because people basically count the A&M game as, an addition, as like two games. Oh, yeah, one, that's Seven overtimes. <laughs> so if you just go 11 games here, and that's essentially a regular season with the seven overtimes, Joe Burrow, TD to INT ratio, 39 to 4. <laughs> 3,650 passing yards, 250 rushing yards, five rushing TDs. 10.8 yards per attempt. And here's the craziest thing about all this. So, yeah, everybody knows 10 and 1, three wins against top 10 teams. He's completed at least 71% of his passes in 9 of 11 games yes. and no worse than I think 61%. I could be wrong on the second part of that, but at least 71% of his passes in 9 of 11 games. Yeah. I, and I'm Insane. not, so I'm not going to say that he's better than Tua. Like, I, I'm not ready to say that yet. But what I will say that's more impressive than anything that Tua has put up is the defense he's playing. There's, there's not like, any time you break down like a little Trevor Lawrence only plays in the ACC or Tua has played a softer schedule or this is what he does against top defenses. There's nowhere really to poke holes in this. I mean, Joe Burrow has been productive everywhere. You, okay, so I, I, I know you don't want to say that he's that he's been better than Tua at this point. I, and I'm I'm talking about healthy Tua when let's yeah. let's just go back to before the ankle injury. 
Joe Burrow is as in this offense is as dangerous as Tua at his best in Alabama. I'm saying offense. physically. I'm saying like his. He. I don't think he's as good of a quarterback as Tua. But I'm just. That's yeah, all I I'm think saying. that's. I think that's fair. Um. Yeah. What? But at the same time, it like it doesn't really matter. They're just. It's the. It's the same thing with Jalen. Like they're they're better fits. He's a better fit in this offense, and, and, and it, it all works. But what's impressive to me though is is when you look at this body of work and this resume, it's hard to find where the argument against it would be. Thank God, because I'm kind of tired of arguing with people this week. So it's I know, like... <laughs> the great test about this, though, and I, I think that a lot of people who have watched Joe Burrow do what he's been able to do are saying, what, what's going to happen against Alabama? Right. Well, there are also some people that are saying, what's going to happen against that Auburn defensive line, which is playing so well right now. Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson. Um, Cole Kubelik had some great comments about Derek Brown and how well he's playing some of the comps to, to Chase Young in terms of uh, disruptive defensive linemen and the things that he's been yeah. able to do this year. And that's going to be such a great test because we've seen a team like Florida try and bring pressure against Joe Burrow, and Joe Burrow can find his open receiver, pick him apart, boom, easy enough. But when you can get pressure with maybe three down linemen, and then have to, to try and navigate and cut through a secondary and do all those things, that could potentially be a different ball game. And that sets up a different kind of matchup with Auburn as opposed to right. Florida, which, as we know, Florida was playing without Jabari Zuniga and John Grenard essentially for all of that game. Would have won the game. Just kidding, guys. Just kidding. <laughs> so this is going to be a, an interesting test in itself because the LSU offensive line, maybe that's, that's also another underrated element of this offense is how improved they are compared yeah. to last year when, especially the tackle positions, they struggled mightily. How do they fare against Derek Brown, Marlon Davidson? Yeah, so it, and I think the biggest difference between that and the Florida pass rush is, is not just because they're going to be healthy, obviously, but there's a big difference, I think, as a quarterback when, and, you know, that whole thing about like you hear footsteps – Somebody coming off your blind side that you don't, you know, kind of rushing off the edge is opposed to that. Yes, face. It, yeah. when somebody is in your face right off the bat, like right off the bat, they are going to be. He is going to be in that backfield no matter what all day. That that's going to happen. That you're not going to shut down Derek Brown, and you're not. Like that that defensive line has, like you said, when you can get a pass rush with three down linemen, they're not all as good as Derek Brown, but they are having phenomenal seasons, and and they are going to get to Joe Burrow. It. I, I wonder what that's going to look like with him for 60 straight minutes. I think it'll be fine, and I think Joe Brady will probably have a, a plan for it. But what worries me the most about this is, man, that Auburn defensive line, so good. If they can get a pass rush with just three guys, that would be that would be awesome. However, the middle, this, as we talk about those those down down right. the field, middle middle of the field type yeah. players as well, yeah. Um, but when you look at the secondary, they're ranked ninth in the SEC in, you know, in passing yards per game. That's the issue. And they're dead last in total interceptions. That's what worries because because like whether I mean this defense is is like I've said before good enough to keep you in any game against anybody in the country. Yep. Bo Nix going on the road, I, just bottom line, you're going to need to win the turnover battle at the very least if you want to win this game. To. You yep. absolutely have to, and you're going to need a couple big plays because LSU is a more talented team than Auburn. You're going to need to make exactly. a couple big plays and, and find some points somewhere somewhere else like besides offense, and I don't know if that's going to happen. The Derek Brown strip sack and then maybe stay yeah. on his feet this time. That would potentially be good for Derek Auburn Derek to be able Brown to get a running back or Wildcat. That's what I want to see. Yeah. Bo Nix on the road wants to avoid a Florida like performance where the turnovers just absolutely killed him in that game. How much has he grown from that moment where he's going into another tough atmosphere, another really, really good defense that's yeah. playing at its best, uh, playing better than it did in the first part of the year when it couldn't even slow down Bandy? 
I think that this is going to be a fascinating test because they're going to try and throw a lot of different packages at Bo Nix. They want to confuse him as much as possible. They want to get Grant Delpit blitzing. They want to yeah. be able to have guys like they're comfortable having guys like Christian Fulton and Derek Stingley on islands and saying, you know what, you think you got a you think you got an open receiver one on one coverage. We we feel good about our guys on the outside. So watching that battle and how Bo Nix can avoid these mistakes because yes, Auburn's going to want to run the ball. They want to play ball control, keep the LSU offense off the field. That makes sense. But how is Bo Nix going to fare in these third and seven, third and eight type situations when he needs to be able to read pressure and understand where his open receiver is because that is not an easy thing to do in that environment no and i tell you what it's it's so weird just breaking down this game and looking at it like man auburn's gonna have to play slow like right? <laughs> you want auburn's gonna have to keep lsu's offense off the field if they want to win like huh like what world are we living in and you know you man. you brought up the fact they haven't won there in 20 years they're losing they've lost those uh those every single one of those games by an average of 16 points so it's it hasn't been a, a great friendly environment for Auburn on the road. And I tell you what, we we talk about the run game, and, and Cole Kubik said it later, like you'll hear it in the interview. We've said it all season. This whole offense and, and the, the success they want to have with Gus Malzahn, what he wants to do, it's all predicated off the run. Everything it's a it's obviously a run first. That run game has to be established early. LSU is second in the SEC in, in rush yards allowed. Mm. And like you said, they're playing their best football right now. And I know it's not the same offense, and I know it's not anywhere close to the same talent, but Mississippi State, what they try to do on offense is at least somewhat similar to what Auburn's going to do. there are some similar principles there. I'd argue that Auburn's got more explosive big play guys, getting Anthony Schwartz in space, somebody who can just take it 75 yards in the blink of an eye. Mississippi State doesn't necessarily have somebody who can do that, whereas Auburn can and hit on that big play. That could be the difference in this game as well. We say line up in shotgun, dude. That's all I was trying to say. (laughs) (laughs) They line up in shotgun. They don't like to throw the ball that much. Uh, Let's let's say, though, that Auburn does pull off the, the upset, gets a win in Death Valley, what does new Gus do if he gets himself a Louisiana Saturday night? And I understand that, you know, they travel with the team and they go back, whatever. Nah, he new Gus is staying in Louisiana on Saturday night. We, what, we, we talked about that days? after the Florida game. Like, I don't think he does travel with the team. I think he, I think he like, in, in, there's no police escort. It's just him with maybe, like, either like a Trans Am T-top with his own siren, like a Dwight Schrute siren he just puts on top of his car, like, even though yep. it's not legal. Or he just leads the pack, like, in a Harley. Um He's going to have some fun if they win this. I'm assuming he's going to go to like several of the bars. I mean, he might just bring his own bubble bath and just hop in one of those giant vats or mm. or cauldrons they make gumbo in. Just, yeah, here, here I am, guys. Yeah, judge me. I'm having That's a bubble bath. You had gumbo earlier. Louisiana <laughs> Saturday know. night. Yeah, it, I mean, that that would be the ultimate troll if New Gus was willing to do karaoke like that. I don't feel like Gus is a good boy. Um, I feel like New Gus could could get the liquid courage to to work himself yeah. up to that point. I just I would, I feel like it would, he'd probably roll up with some like Blake Shelton or something awful. Wow. <laughs> well, actually, you know what? I take that back. I'm I'm not a Blake Shelton defender because basically everything he's had in the last five years has not been good. But yeah. that's a different discussion for a different time. Let's play a little game, a little game show here. Tune into our Blake Shelton podcast next week. (laughs) Soon we're going to talk about Darius Rucker. No, that was two weeks ago. Uh, Let's play a little game here. We've got SEC Bowl or No Bowl. We're going to list the team, and we're not going to list the teams who are already bowl eligible, obviously. And we're not even going to list Mizzou, which already has five wins, And even though they just lost to Vandy. Because the question is whether or not a team is going to be able to get to six wins. Yeah, We think Mizzou is going to be able to get to six wins in the last, you know, they're not going to lose out or something like that. So right. it's not worth discussing and breaking down. 
I don't even know if this first team is really worth breaking down, to be honest. I'll, I'll just say Arkansas is not going to a bowl at 2-5. and five. Remaining schedule, Alabama, Mississippi State, Western Kentucky, uh, at LSU um, versus Mizzou. Oh, by the way, that game's at Alabama. In other words, Arkansas, to go to a bowl game, would have to beat either Alabama or LSU on the road. So let's just put that at 0% and move on. It Sorry, can happen when the Hogs um, win the pennant. Exactly. 15-game SEC losing streak, I'm sure, is going to end with that remaining schedule, right? Um, Did you see the Houston nut thing real quick about, like, what would you say to that locker room? But, and, he, and he, like, had a whole thing. Like, and you know that was off the top of his head. It's like, what would you say? Like, it, it, I thought it was like, you know, just coach speak. He, If you haven't seen the video, y'all go check it out because it's hilarious. Like, it was honestly impressive. Like, he, he just gave a pregame speech just like, like that. How much action do you think Club Dub gets nowadays? The, the, how much, if you have to come up with a playlist for Club Dub, are you are you kind of like the person who you know your teacher's not going to show up that week, so you're like, I'm not going to do the homework? Oh, th- dude, that whole thing is like, all I think about when I see Club, or the, hear the Club Dub thing is like, uh, there's like Budweiser things they had in Cleveland, like when they're waiting for their first win, but it's just mm-hmm. like this yep. like ghost town when you finally get to open it, like it's just like, oh, this is from 1974. This is a good year. It's a good year Arkansas for Bud Heavy. Arkansas fans, basketball starts soon. Oof. Don't worry. It's going to get better, we think. Maybe, probably, hopefully. Kentucky, 3-4 and four right now. Remaining schedule. Home against Mizzou. Home against Tennessee. On the road at Vandy. Then home against Tennessee Martin. Home against Louisville. So, in other words, four of five games are at home to end the season. I think Kentucky's going to a bowl game. I think this sets up well. Yeah, so I I've got um, I got them winning six because you're gonna beat Vandy, you're gonna beat Tennessee Martin. I don't know why I say Tennessee Martin, UT Martin. Um, yeah, UT Martin. Sorry, but I so in Tennessee Martin for some dumb reason. And I think I, Louisville's better than than I think I've given them credit for this season. Um, four and two, but like I, they're I mean they're four and two, two losses to Notre Dame and Clemson. That's pretty good. That was pretty good. They hung um, around against Clemson for a little bit too. Yeah. But. So, but I still think they get one of those wins between Tennessee or Louisville. And I I think they'll get to a bowl game. So I think they, I think they do as well. Going three and two with that schedule, and they have time to be able to figure out a little bit more of an offensive identity too. And I know the Lynn Bowden thing it has its limitations, but do any of those defenses really scare you that much? Especially after what no. we saw from Mizzou this past weekend, I'm it, well, not really terrified about that. No, and, and I think I think that uh, Louisville, I think Louisville's our best chance out of honestly between Mizzou and Tennessee and Louisville. I think Louisville, Louisville will be their best chance. It's a rivalry game. It's at home. I, I would take that. Yeah, and that's not me saying that I think Kentucky is going to beat Mizzou, by the way. But in terms of defense, that actually you scare you. I would not say that. I've taken that back. This is going to surprise you. Mississippi no. State. Remaining schedule. At Texas A&M. At Arkansas. Home against Alabama. Home against Abilene Christian. Home against Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. And home for the holidays. They're 3-4. and four. I don't think they're going to a bowl game. No, I, that, I don't. That doesn't surprise me at all. You know why? Because they're not a good team. They're not going to a bowl. They're, they're at, your, at the beginning of the season, I thought you were crazy with the whole Ole Miss beating them thing. And I, we were both so low. I was especially on Ole Miss. Is Ole Miss going to be favored in that game? No, that can't, that can't happen. Because it's right? in Starkville, but still, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, I don't think so. But, like, you're not going to beat A&M at A&M. You're not a good enough team to do that. You're not going to beat Bama. You'll beat Abilene Christian, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, I don't see three wins there. They need they need to win at AM, I think, to really fix You know what they need to do? A tall task. I mean, Ole Miss is the best the best uh, option here, but like, God, there's a, there, there's no two teams I think in the country that hate each other more than those two teams. 
And the way this Ole Miss has, like, this team this year has played, and you tell me about your boy Matt Luke, Matt Luke at Ole Miss. That's uh, <laughs> <he's, laughs> so much better than Coach O. So really much is. better. Coach O is like a parody, and that's just Matt Luke. Yeah, exactly. Um, hey, man. Hey, hey. Um, <laughs> anyway, no, but see, like, that, that game's going to be awesome. I, I just think that the attitude I've seen this Ole Miss team play with this season, I know they haven't won every game, and, and they're, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to make it to a bowl. We'll talk about it in a second. But the attitude they play with, I think I think they beat Mississippi State. I don't see, I don't see that kind of attitude like from Mississippi State. I see Kylan Hill, and that's it. <laughs> that is literally it. Kylan Hill just trying to run around the entire line of scrimmage the last few weeks has been rough. Just has not there there's just been no running lanes for him whatsoever. They yeah, need to pick a one quarterback game. and that's it. Like it needs to be you need to straighter from here on out and just they, they, go they with it. want straighter. They went with straighter last last week. They've stuck with that. That's going to be the plan moving forward. You can already if you follow some of the, the PR people and the communications people, they're treating out they're tweeting I out don't. the pro straighter <laughs> stats and all that stuff. Yeah, trust me, they He's are. He's got the longest beard in the SEC in, in night yeah, games. He does. Yeah, he does. Let's get let's let's get to Ole Miss because at three and five, I, I tweeted this out. I did not realize this the other day. And Matt Luke, looking back at some of the post game comments, just talking about how devastating of a loss it was. Yeah. And at three and five, he's right because his team's not going to a bowl game, and he's not going to a bowl game because they lost that game against A and M. Here's the issue: you go at number number nine Auburn, and then you're home against New Mexico State. Then you host number two LSU, and then you're on the road at Mississippi State. So let's say even if they win the Egg Bowl, they they, they might not even be playing for a bowl game by the time that they go They're there. Not. Because I mean, you're are you beating number number nine Auburn? Are you beat number two LSU? It's no. it's it's like the season that for them. It's like I, I talked this on Sunday. I was like I was like, what are they three and four? And you're like, no, they're three and five. Like so, you yeah, you have the, you're down to your last loss. Like you're, you have your last life here, guys. One more to get. Um, yep. and, and so yeah, I don't think they go to a bowl at all. I, I that, that was a devastating loss too. Because A&M. What sucks about this Ole Miss team this season is I like I'm I've the past couple of weeks have been high on them and, and like for statistically they've been so much better on, on just so much better than I thought they would be. But what sucks is they don't have a single win this season where you're like God that was big. I didn't see that coming. Like they, they yeah, they killed Vandy, but yeah, big deal. Twenty four to seven. I was like, but but like you lose the cap. Like any, there was no game against a ranked team or even A and M who was ranked in the preseason. Like they're just. I would give them credit. They won at Memphis, man. Like yeah, at this point, but it's, there's not going to be a season defining win for Matt Luke and his and this team. It's that that just kind of sucks, but. And, and for those who don't understand the contract dynamics in the state of Mississippi, you can only have a maximum of a four-year contract for a public employee. And Matt Luke did not get extended after last year. A lot of people were wondering why Joe Moore had got extended. Part of the reason is that four-year yeah. deal. So you can't just have these six, seven-year extensions. I think basically Ole Miss is going to have to make a decision with an interim AD at the end of the season. Do we keep Matt Luke and extend him, or do we do we fire him? If they don't make it to a bowl game, yeah, I could see a situation, obviously, in which Matt Luke would be gone. And I think they, they should gone. keep That'd him. That'd be really sad. I think they should keep him. And a lot of people would disagree with you on that. Do you think so? A lot of Ole Miss fans are ready to move on. Yeah, I know that he was dealt a raw deal with the whole with the set with the sanctions and dealing with the scholarship limitations and all that. And I don't know why I said limitations, but <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just, I mean. I just like him so much more than I thought I would because remember last year I just I kept always comparing him. He looked like every dad who's ever been like trying to get his kids to get out of the pool and get in the car and go home. Like he's just like I'm not gonna say it again. Like he he just he cra- he's such a caricature. It's just he cracks me up. But yeah, maybe we'll be fired. South Carolina. It's got three dark. and four. 
This is not something <laughs> I thought I would have said a, a few weeks ago, but I've changed my tune on this. South Carolina, remaining schedule at Tennessee, home against Vandy, home against number 21, Appalachian State. Don't sleep on that one. On the road at Texas A&M, home against number four, Clemson. I think South Carolina is getting three wins out of that. I think they're going to a bowl game. I think you're right. I have them going to a bowl game, too. They have to beat Tennessee this weekend. Huge. Fun fact. Huge. Should have saved this for later, but this the reason I have them going to a bowl, because I originally, we, we put up the bowl uh, predictions or projections uh, every Sunday or on um, or Monday, I'm sorry, on SCS Instagram page. The, the thing that makes me think they are going to go to a bowl and get that third win is he's must shape a 7-0 all-time against Tennessee. Must shape don't lose Tennessee. Pretty, pretty good. I think that South Carolina, based on what they've done the last two weeks especially, have shown yeah. a, a different side of them. That defense has just been much better, and I know things got away from them in the fourth quarter there, but I just think that they're playing at a different kind of speed than they have throughout the Will Muschamp era. Yeah. I think that bodes really well. Even it could bode well for them against A&M, but you would have to beat those. I, I, I would feel way, way more comfortable, obviously. You win those first two games, got to win at Tennessee, got to beat Vandy at home, and then I think the, the schedule sets up well for that, of yeah. course. Tennessee at two and five. I know Vols fans are thinking, "Hey, you never know. The end of the schedule is pretty favorable." Didn't I ask I it, it like on the pod? I was like, "You think Tennessee make a bowl game?" You're like, "No, yeah, no, no, you no. idiot." And here's here's the issue. So, yes, you're home against South Carolina. That is a winnable game. Don't get me wrong. But will they win that game? I don't know. Then you're home against UAB. Don't sleep on the Blazers. Don't man. do not sleep on them. The, you know they're six and, then, and one. The one loss is when I told them it was the lock of the week. Yes, I do. I was going to bring that up. I'm glad that you did. Okay. Then Tennessee is on the road at Kentucky. They're on the road at Mizzou, which plays like all Americans when they're at home, obviously. And yeah. then they're home against Vandy to finish the year. The issue is you've got to win four out of those five right. games. Tennessee's not winning four out of those five games. No, they, they can beat Kentucky. They can beat UAB. And they can beat Vandy. And you know what? At this point of the season, it's, it's somehow... Tennessee going five and seven still seems like a small victory for Jeremy Pruitt. Cons- it c- would be a little cons- bit. <laughs> you know what? Best advice I could ever give to any so any coach, especially Matt Luke, um, is like just lose early, lose, lose. Like you know what? Actually, I'm not going to tell the story, but like the Barry Odom thing. Yes, lose, lose to a team you shouldn't have early. Just get forgot about, and then and then after that, like you know, you set the bar low, and then you can only have high expectations after that. It's perfect. It's like when you go on a first date with a girl, just yeah. Throw up on your shoes, and then everything after that, you're going to be I'm, fine. I'm so I, sorry. Um, I have to go to Coinstar real quick before we close this tab. Would you mind just holding here for a second? But just do stuff like that. Yeah, sure. I don't know <laughs> what you had to bring Coinstar into this, but that's okay. So I can pay for the dinner on the date, you idiot. Come on. Oh, all right. I'm not fast <laughs> enough to keep up with that. Definitely not fast enough. A&M. I know what Aggie fans are thinking. Bowl game? What are you talking about? Yeah, of course we're going to a bowl game. We got Jimbo Fisher, the $75 million man. We're going to buy our own bowl. You're still sitting there at four and three. Yeah, I played down to your competition. I think we can say that, and it's not like you're beating the pants off of Ole Miss or Arkansas. So yeah, we're going to talk about your bowl eligibility, Aggie fans. I do think the Aggies are going to a bowl, but the remaining schedule: home against Mississippi State, then they play UT San Antonio, and then they're home against South Carolina, and then oh by the way, you end the season at Georgia at LSU. Here's the good That's news. That's fun. <laughs> Here's the good news for the Aggies. You won that game over the weekend because if you didn't. Yikes. Having to win three of those next four games, you would really, really feel the pressure to win home against Mississippi State and then we obviously yeah. UT San Antonio. And then South Carolina, which I don't think that South Carolina game is a gimme. I, I do. I, I do not well, think not at all. Well, not a gimme, but at the same time, they have a week off beforehand. 
Um, there, why so there, is it a gimme though? With with how well South Carolina has played, why is that game a gimme? It's at now? it's at A and M. Who cares? You Who cares? saw how South Carolina looked on the road at Mizzou. Okay, they, they have how they looked on the road against Georgia. That's a much better, much better example, <laughs> and I wish I didn't bring this up now. <laughs> yeah, okay, you're right. Never mind. That was I just walked right into that. Um, well, I guess A and M's losing that game. Yeah, you know what? A and M's not going to a bowl. <laughs> no, I think they go to a bowl. That's that's such a solid point. But they, uh, I mean, closing out like they do get that 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 UGA game. I said in the beginning of the season, I thought they they had a potential to upset them. UGA coming off that three-game schedule of Florida, Mizzou, Auburn. Mm-hmm. That's arguably one of the toughest for what what it's going to mean, and for what yep. and Georgia's you know they're already backs against the wall from what happened, like because they got they lost at home from USC, which I totally forgot about. I guess yep. um, no. So after that three-game stretch, like there is an opportunity because if you, if A and M can reel off the, like three wins in a row against Mississippi State, UTSA, and USC. And you get a little momentum going. They've already won that against Ole Miss. What a four-game winning streak! They get some confidence back. They they could maybe upset Georgia. I don't know. Eh, you never know. That's why they play the games. Yeah. Vandy, two and five. Get stop. Not going it. to a bowl game. Not going to a bowl game. We just had we had to just you know I know they're coming off the big emotional win or whatever, but got to go to South Carolina. Got to go to Florida. Oh, by the way, you're going to be eliminated from bowl eligibility after the Florida game. And then you're home yeah. against Kentucky, home against ETSU, and then on the road at Tennessee. If they weren't already eliminated from bowl eligibility after the Florida game, I'd feel really good about their chances. But yeah. you know what? You lose at home by 24 to UNLV, and you, you don't serve to go to God, work. you hate Vandy, huh? Hard to hate Vandy. Hate Vandy. Hard, like, I do not hate Vandy. I, I was laughing today because they had on SEC Network, you know, they have like that inside, like whatever. It's, it's like one game a week they'll, they'll show. And it was the Mizzou-Vandy game. It was like, ugh. Why would you want to like? I don't need to know the ins and outs of what happened in this game, like behind the scenes stuff. And they had, they had in the locker room Derek Mason giving a speech. He's like, D Y J, do your job. And I just kept laughing. I was like, I, Connor would just be screaming like, Do yours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair. I definitely would be saying that. Hey, Vandy fans, you know what? I, y'all are a loyal bunch. If you're still going to those games. And doing that instead of doing anything else in Nashville, yeah. I, I tip my cap to you. You are a more loyal person than I am. For real. All right. Week 9, SEC picks and over-unders. Let's start with Mississippi State at Texas A&M. I, my, my, guess the, my guess the line was not as good this week. Mine was good. I set good. the bar too high for myself. You guessed some great lines. You, you, were pretty, you were close on a couple. Eh, I, I, I expect better of myself. We'll okay. just say that. A&M is a 10.5-point favorite at home against the fighting Joe Moorhead's you're taking A&M at home, I can feel it. Yeah, like, I just, because I, I have no faith in Mississippi State at all. Yeah, I mean, even last week when I was, like, kind of ribbing our producer, Will, because of, like, the slow start from, and three straight field goals start the game for LSU, they just were never in that game. They were, they never really were in that Tennessee game until, like, six minutes left in the fourth. They just, they haven't done anything to make me, like, think that they have a chance at, at even competing with, with good to above average teams in the SEC. That's the issue, is that Mississippi State has not looked the part on the road at all. I mean, right. they showed up to Auburn, and they were down 21 nothing before people could get comfortable in their seats. They're down, they're down to Tennessee. I mean, really they can't find a way to... Really articulated the word comfortable. Yeah, thank you. That's <laughs> not my best. Thank you. I think, though, the one thing that I keep coming back to, A&M just does not blow out SEC teams. They just don't do it under Jimbo Fisher. Yeah. I'd be a little bit worried about the ten and a half. A little bit worried. I'm. I think that's going to be that's going to be a little bit closer because I don't think the A and M 
offense is necessarily going to light it up either. I mean, that, that's part of the issue too, is that I don't really have a lot of confidence in them you know, necessarily putting up 35 points or something like that right now. I just think that they're a little bit too limited. I do like what the defense did down the stretch. I, I gave them a lot of credit for what they did yeah. to be able to contain Ole Miss on the road like that. But, you know, could this be like a 24-14 game? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't think that that's that crazy. And I think one of the things we've seen in college football, teams playing for their coaches' jobs when they're under scrutiny. Yeah. If there's any ounce of that with Joe Moorhead, and I'm not guaranteeing that, but just based on some of the comments that I've seen from players throughout this week, I think they sense that more and more. I think that Mississippi State shows up better than it has in the oh, past. God. So I have talked myself. Again. I have I have talked myself into AM winning this game 24 to 14 and Mississippi State barely covering a ten and a half point spread. What an exciting electric atmosphere! Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that, like, but you know, honestly, and I get what you're saying. Like, co- players want to defend their coach. Does he have like that? I mean, does he have that? He's been there for a year and a half. I think fan support and locker room support are two very different things. That's fair. And it's, I mean, and I'm not saying that's a universal thing. Yeah. We saw comments from Kylan Hill and Garrett Schrader about talking about Joe Moorhead's job security and these rumors and all that stuff and. Just kind of hearing them speak out about it and saying, you know, Garrett Schrader said yeah, he's not going anywhere. And I get that Dan Mullen also said that before the Egg Bowl. And right. Mississippi State fans quickly pointed to that and then he left for Florida. But at the same time, if there is an ounce of that, Mississippi State plays a different way than it has. I'm not saying they're going to win the game. Not saying that at all. Right. But A&M, A&M, not necessarily a team I would want to bet on winning, winning comfortably against an SEC team right now. So I'm going to take Mississippi State to cover that spread. Mississippi State by a passing whole half yards, point. I just want to by a whole half there. point. Yeah. By a whole half point. <laughs> Mississippi State passing yards. I set the over under at one fifty. This is like the most depressing game to break down right now. I just they, a lot of maroon. Too it's, much maroon. it's too much. It's too much maroon. It's too much maroon for one. And then we're talking about Mississippi State's passing game. All right, oh, this just is take like the being over in a we'll dentist waiting room right now. It's just depressing. Um, I'll see you over. Bye. All right. <laughs> <laughs> South Carolina is a four-point favorite on the road in Knoxville. Do we think South Carolina will put together its third quality performance and be able to get a road victory against Tennessee? I Yes, I do. Um, I, I don't think Moore is going to play. I, I think Tennessee— You always call it Moore. It's Maurer, isn't it? Like Moore. Joe Maurer? I don't know. I don't, yeah. No, they, they're spelled differently. <laughs> so it's not Joe Maurer. It's Joe Maurer. It's, yeah, but that's not how you spell his name, isn't it? Like, it's Moore. Like, it's two R's. Yeah, but it's pronounced Maurer. Wh- whatever, Connor. Because like, I, 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 I got confused just, the other day when you said it. The other day when you said it, I'm like, wait, who's he talking about? Oh, he's talking about Brian Maurer. Oh, There's so many okay. things that I'm sure I've said wrong on this podcast. Last week I said something about Peyton Manning in 1998. He wasn't even at Tennessee in 1998. But I tell you what, I get corrected more than anything. It's pronunciation of names that aren't our names. Um, and so, yeah, maybe Joe Maurer. He's not playing in this game. I like sure. South. I like the way South Carolina is playing. If 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 hopefully Helensky's healthy, um, that's a team that I. You talk about the Joe Moorhead thing and like the the locker room support and and people playing for their coach. I think Carolina's definitely been doing that. I wonder how it's going to look coming off what happened in Florida. Like, is there a hangover effect from that? Um, Two physical games the last couple weeks as well. Yeah, but at the same time, it's more so. I think the mental aspect of it because, like, they you know they beat Georgia. You're on this like ultimate high, and then if they come in with a mindset of like we were cheated last week, you know what I mean? Like, if they don't have the right attitude and mindset going in, this is a losable game. South Carolina wins this seventeen to ten, close, not close enough for Tennessee to cover, 
Yeah. But South Carolina, I think, is going to run into uh, a Jeremy Pruitt defense that I think is, dare I say, figuring a couple things out. Am I crazy to think that? I mean, actually, they wouldn't hit the quarterback so late and have all those rough in the passers to be. Pushing a quarterback was he's trying to get up allegedly. No, I, I think you're right. They are they are trying to figure some stuff out and um, and they're, they're playing with a lot more fight. Yeah, I, I think that we're we're going to see a little bit more from the Tennessee defense down the stretch here, especially as the competition gets more favorable. So, I set the over under at Javon Kinlaw sacks at two Man. against the Tennessee offensive line, which has been uh, we can say less than great. Yeah, they. I mean, like they didn't they didn't look great last week, which is weird because like. Trey Smith's been been in the lineup all year, all year, yeah, and they have the two true. five stars. Like, I don't. Know, at times they've 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 shown glimpses of like they're like achieving their potential. But um, I would take Ken Law to cover this, and I would take South Carolina to cover the spread. Wanye Morris, we've been pronouncing it Wanya Morris, haven't we? I want you to move on. How about that? Yeah. Oh, there we go. <laughs> um, Arkansas, Alabama, thirty-two point favorite is the home team. Didn't think it'd be that much with Mac Jones starting a quarterback, but uh, here's where we are when we're talking about Arkansas. Marler, you picking Alabama to cover 32? I, I, I don't. That's so. That's so high for a backup quarterback. It's really high. But I tell you what, I remember last year when this game was played in Arkansas and Bama scored like every 30 seconds, and by the fourth quarter, Mac Jones came in, and I think like. Tua had like a one of those days like he was thirteen or fourteen for three thousand yards and Jalen was like six of six for a hundred yards. But like basically what I'm saying is Mac Jones somehow ended up with a higher QBR than both of them. I think Mac Jones with a week of practice and confidence is gonna come in. I'm just I think this Bama team is, is starting to get a little bit pissed uh, at all the the negative comments and, and all that and, and the people doubting them. I think Mac Jones lights him up. Is getting pissed or you're getting pissed? I'm getting. <laughs> that's also a very <laughs> fair point. Um, do, you know, do you know who leads the, the SEC in sacks? You talk about Javon Kinlaw having more than two sacks. He has five all season. Just throwing that out there. Do you know who leads the SEC in sacks? Marlon Davidson. No, no. You want to guess again? Terrell Lewis. Terrell Lewis does. Yeah, boy, Bama's had eight in the past two weeks. It's been good, healthy. I've admitted. Yeah, that. It's been and good, healthy. So I, I think I think that this is going to be tough for Arkansas. I think to to score a lot in this game. It's a night game in, in Tuscaloosa. I'll take Bama to cover. Bold take. I think Arkansas struggles to score a little bit more than they did last year when they had the ultimate oh, uh, moral oh. victory. And the backdoor cover with 17 seconds left. That, that pissed rough. me off. That was a, a very tough beat. I'm going to take Bama to cover just because I can't rightfully say – I can't rightfully sit there and watch a game and say, you know what, I, I really hope Arkansas can score touchdowns. How are they going to score touchdowns against Bama? I mean, really. Elbow grease. With this, with this offense, with Chad Morris still not knowing what the quarterback situation looks like. Oh, by the way, he started five different quarterbacks since he's been at Arkansas. <laughs> and he still doesn't know what he wants his quarterback situation to look Chad like. Chad Morris in, the, in his quarterback room is is literally every guy and girl like going to eat on Saturday night. Like, where do you want to eat? I don't know. I don't know. Just just choose one. We're going to Blimpies. <laughs> Blimpies has not had the best airtime on our no. podcast. That's for sure. Talia Tungavailoa total yards in this game. I'm probably saying his name wrong. I apologize. I've tried it's to say fine, it. Fine, Connor. I'm not going to correct ways. you on it. I've said it three different ways. The younger brother of Tua. We will, sadly, I will call him that. But I think that he gets into this game because I think that Bama wins comfortably. I set the over under for his total yards as the back of quarterback at 85. Uh, under. What are you talking about, crazy? <laughs> if he's in, they're going to be running the football. Mm. I mean, are they? 
I, I mean, who, who's he going to be throwing it to? Because like those receivers are getting pulled early. Yeah, like that, that they'll be matter. Yeah, it's also true. Um, no, I, I I don't think this. I, I'll say this: Mac Jones at even if they're up comfortably or comfortably, as you I can't even do it as you would say. Good word. Comfortably. If if Tua is injured, we saw it last year. You're going to need your backup quarterback to be ready to go. Mac Jones needs as much playing time as possible. I don't I don't see Talia getting in or however you say his name, Teresa. I don't see him getting in. Not not for 85 yards worth. All right, I believe. Glimpse <laughs> to the future. Mizzou at Kentucky. You were right on this. I was wrong. Way way wrong. Mizzou is a 10.5 point favorite on the road, despite the fact that they have yet to win a road game this year. And not only have they not won a road game this year, but they have lost road games to Vandy in Wyoming. That's been well documented. Yeah. Can you, in good faith, take Mizzou to cover, even though they have looked that bad on the road? Uh, yes, I can. I'd buy it, I'd buy it down by a point, so it's under uh, at 9.5. Mm-hmm. But I absolutely can do that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't second-guess it at all. I, I, they is that looked, revenge game? Yes, because they've I mean, like, got the streak going against them too. It's and, four. This is they're trying for what four straight victories, I think, or Kentucky four years right now. Yeah, we're um, we're inching closer to November where Barry Odom it's his time to shine, and I, I will say Kentucky at home and like you're, you want to pull for him and and the Lynn Bowden thing and all that kind of stuff. I just don't. This offense. What are they going to do? Like, what are they going to be able to do? And this Missouri defense is really good. They are really good. The The reason they lost last week was a lot of Kelly Bryant. True. So. Kelly Bryant had some struggles. He definitely had some struggles against the all-of-a-sudden flying all over the field Vandy defense. Yeah. You know what? That's so weird. I'm going to take Kentucky again. I'm going to do it. I've taken Kentucky to cover the spread probably seven times this year. I'm going to make it one more. Okay. And I, I say that knowing that their offense is super limited with Lynn Bowden. Whatever. Think at home, think our boy Tom Hart on the call, Cole Kublik on the call as well, and some other Rogers brothers on the call. Yeah, that's going to factor think, in. I think that Kentucky, with the mayor in attendance, as we'll find out later, mm-hmm. I think that Kentucky shows up ready to play in this one. And I think maybe, just maybe, we get a little bit of the Lynn Bowden that we saw against Arkansas. Not as much the Lynn Bowden that we saw against Georgia. Here's hoping. Against Arkansas? Okay, I'm just going to throw this one thing out here real quick, Okay. Yes, they will be excited and ready to play, and all of those things. And and like it, like I, I, if somebody said, "Chris, go," I want you to play in the World Series tonight. I'd be like, "Yeah, let's do it." You know what would happen when I stepped in the batter's box against Verlander? I would strike out because I would I wouldn't be up to well, the test. Attitude. Yeah. <laughs> it's been like you know, but that that is the difference. Like I, I think Missouri is a much more talented team than Kentucky. I thought they were much more talented than Vandy too, and then they broke our hearts. Sure, saying. absolutely. Don't lose when I predicted to win 45-14, to 14 and I won't yes. get a little bit upset about your team. Completed Kentucky passes in this game. Oh. I set the over-under at 7.5, keeping in mind there is still, I think, a chance that Sawyer Smith plays in this one. I, I yeah, I hope not for their sake. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I guess, I, I guess, I mean... I don't know. I love bringing up the pressing passing numbers with you. It's so fun. Yeah, well, but like, because like last week he they didn't complete a pass in the fourth quarter. They, it was getting late. It, it was. was they, late. I think they completed three total, or is it two? I thought it was three. And I'm pretty sure the one, the first one they completed came on like third and nine. It was like what? How do you not just run a little pop pass at that point, just to make sure that you get the one? Yeah. Just yeah. I don't, I don't know, but this 
you're not going to do this, be that one-dimensional against uh, against Missouri, I don't think. And I think Missouri will, will probably get out to a, a better start because they're coming off. Keep in mind this. like It's, it's not just a revenge game. They've lost however many, three in a row, whatever you said. The way they lost this game last year, it, it, it was like, it almost seemed like kind of the start of all these things that went wrong for Mizzou. That's interesting and probably true. No. Terry Wilson, Terry Wilson, favorite neighbor, Terry Wilson. That's right, miss him. Just, just gave the ultimate kick to the nuts to Mizzou fans. <laughs> that was rough. That's yeah. essentially what he did in the last minute of that game where they hadn't thrown the ball at all. And then all of a sudden last he minute. just says to himself, oh, you know what? I can actually throw the ball pretty well. I'm just going to cut up your secondary score game winning touchdown. Have a nice day. Yeah, that's I, that's how I would recap it too and, and totally not say anything about the last minute and, and then have the untimed down, the phantom. Anyway, we're not going to do this right now. Too soon. Auburn, LSU. LSU, 10.5 point favorite. That line has come down a bit. I think it started at 12.5, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Yeah, I think so. Are you going to go into Death Valley and pick Auburn to cover the spread? Got it! Got it! Oh, boy. I'll tell you what, I'm just talking about Matt Luke. Um, I, <laughs> it's, I'm taking Auburn to cover the spread, man. I, so here, here's the thing. We always talk about this with Auburn, all right? Auburn is so dangerous when, when people are... They're just kind of like laying in the weeds, right? Just like a little snake in the grass. No one's paying attention to him, and all of a sudden, bam! New Gus coming at you. Bit you with his fangs. New, new Gus snake? Can you imagine? That'd be terrifying. Anyway, um, Auburn is such a good football team. We, like, we've kind of written them off for whatever reason because they lost at Florida, who is a top they 10 the team week after that, on the road. Yeah, like too. they have a freshman quarterback. Throws, they have four turnovers on the road in, in the swamp. I don't think that's going to be easier going to Death Valley. By any means. But I, I, I think that we, we're not giving Auburn enough credit. This is a very, very good I football agree. team. And they're going to present things, uh, like defensively, they're going to present problems for LSU that they have not had to face this season. I, I, I'm not taking anything away from LSU because they looked great against Florida. They've looked great in every single game. They've looked great in every single game. But Auburn is going to get after Joe Burrow's ass pretty pretty early and often. I'm just going to go ahead and throw that out there. Wow. And, and I, I, I just I think that... LSU wins the game. Maybe they win by 10, okay? But I don't think that's, that's so many points against a very good Auburn team. LSU wins this game, but it doesn't win this game playing necessarily at the ridiculous rate yeah. offensively that it's played at for much of this season. They're still going to get theirs. And as we've seen from games like Mississippi State where they get off to a little bit of a slow start, and then, oh, you look up and they got 36 points right. and it's a blowout win. I still think they win this game comfortably in the final box score, but I think it's going to take it's going to be a slower start, and yeah. I think they're going to they're going to pull away late, and it's going to take some adjusting from this this LSU offense, which has not seen a defensive front like Auburn's. The issue in this game, I don't see Bo Nix being able to hang with this this LSU defense and being able to play no. mistake free football for sixty minutes. Absolutely not. Mistakes that set up good field position for LSU potentially in this game. I think that that ultimately allows LSU to win something like a 35-17 type game, maybe oh. a 35-21. But I, I think that it's it's a still just a, a, a tougher game for, you, for Auburn with you, how good that LSU defense is playing. I don't ever, ever, ever want to hear you say hedge to me again because you just sat there the whole time and painted this huge picture of like, LSU, they, they're going to well, struggle. I think game flow is important. They're going to struggle, but it's going to be a 35-17. to 17. Like, I, so, I mean, I, and I don't think you're wrong. I think the... the the ultimate nightmare, and this is like for for what can't happen with Bo Nix and this team for Auburn. You're you're tied zero zero, or you're you're down seven zero even, right? 
and you turn the football over in your own your own end of the field, good night. Like game's over. Game's over. Yeah. Like, like that game will get out of hand quick if they go down two scores early. They they have to take care of the football. Um, it, so it, yeah, it, I mean the situation you said when you hedged in that whole long thing. Like, I did. I, did. <laughs> I, think, I think I could just I could see it happening. But I, I could just picture them going to the locker room 14-7 and a half, something yeah. like that. And everybody's kind of wondering, oh, man, is LSU looking ahead to Bama? Are they, are they maybe not as good offensively as we thought? And then maybe the defense kind of helps them out in the second half, gets some good field position. Yeah. I still think that Joe Burrow puts up numbers in this game. But I think Auburn makes people kind of take a step back and go, all right, this is not – they're no slouch, but I still think that LSU is able to cover in this game. Your favorite over-under probably that I've done all year. How many in stadium? How many in stadium alcoholic drinks for us? Keep in mind, I'm driving. Set the over under at four point five. If our boss is listening, Duff, earmuff it, bro. Uh, It's gonna be over. I'm telling you right now. I mean, four and a half. Who are you talking to, Connor? I'm I'm two beer Connor, as we know. I I know, and then then, you know, there's gonna be traffic that we're gonna have to sit around. You might have to write an article afterwards. You got time to let that wear off. Uncle, what time do they stop serving? Third quarter. At the end of third quarter, right? Oh, it's dude. You, we're gonna be. I'm. We're gonna be way over. (laughs) You know, not way over. Not way over. It's all me. Like over four and a half. I'll hit that by halftime. You're gonna hit over four and a half by half. I mean, maybe I don't know. It's, it's like you know, you gotta play to win, right? Like potential tailgate situation. Oh, well. I mean, you know what? I didn't think about the tailgating thing. That's a good point. Yeah, I'll really pace myself at my first time in, in Death Valley, guys. I just want to let you know. No, four and a half, four <laughs> half time seems like a bit much, but like I, I don't. I've just been. I'm just. I don't want to brag. I'm just so good at drinking with all the practice that I've had throughout the years. Um, <laughs> I think four and a half is too low for us. I should have said it at five and a half. You should have said it at about ten and a half. Ten and a half? Yeah, bro. Goodness gracious, man. <laughs> no, not, not ten and a half. That's too much. I'm excited, though. Should be a very, very good time. Locks of the week. We skipped it last week by accident. Yeah. <laughs> Admittedly. <laughs> this week, though, we're coming back with a vengeance. We are. Liberty. Minus seven and a half at Rutgers. The fighting Hugh Freezes. Is he coaching games from the sidelines these days? I, <laughs> I have no idea. That whole setup was so incredible. The, my favorite was how it kept like like progressing. Like it was like this week, and they set up that weird stage mount, like like on the, where he was like a band director on the. It was, it was just Mr. Holland's opus there behind the entire team. Hugh Freeze has five straight wins for Liberty, and Rutgers does not have five straight wins. Oof. Needless to say, so. My buddy who covers Indiana said that Rutgers is the worst Power 5 team that he's ever seen, <laughs> which I, I can't argue with that at this point. Yeah. He saw them pass for one yard, I believe. Are they wearing the sweaters um, in this game? Have you seen those sweater jerseys they? they broke out? Oh, is that this game? I, I don't know. but like, like that, that is like such a – college football started at Rutgers. <laughs> like, that's just like People the saddest that. – that the, They should, too. That's the saddest thing. It's like, oh, my God, they're getting these like sick throwbacks. And then and it's going to be, they're, they have to wear sweaters and then get beat. Ugh. Buckshot freaking Calvert. Your favorite player in Love college it. football who yeah. you probably don't know anything about except his name. And then he took that one picture on Instagram with the, the white touch. Trans Am? I know a lot about Buckshot and Calvert. Trust me, bro. Yeah. He is starting in this game. And you have to wonder, Liberty's been pretty hot as of late. You have to wonder how much of that could be attributed to Malik Willis on scout team. 
I think that's what everybody's wondering at this point. Yeah, this season. yeah, sure. I think that's exactly what's happening. People might forget Malik Willis was once upon a time a middle of the pack SEC quarterback, according to some, mainly me. <laughs> Guess how many points Rutgers has in the last four weeks total? I don't know. We spent a lot of time breaking down this game. Uh, it's it's worth. Wait, it. four weeks total. Four weeks total. Thirteen. Fourteen. <laughs> How do you do that? I've scored 14 points since we started this podcast. Like, what do we... Wow. Guess but, how many passing yards Rutgers has in the last two games. All right, this is the last one. What is it? It's 49. I'm sorry, combined? Combined. Combined. They're averaging 1.5 yards per attempt in the last two weeks. Was their quarterback, like, was he seriously injured in that Oklahoma Sooner wagon like crash probably what happened well sadly we lost our quarterback's arms like how does that happen i don't i don't know i don't know i don't know uh that goes against my preseason statement about betting the rutgers over that was such a fun they should just call this the connor connor cold take uh bowl this is i mean like in my defense on the schedule they had games at against liberty and umass Mm -hmm. and their over under for regular season wins was two and a half yeah so let me let me let's, um, I'm gonna rephrase what you just said, or so you can hear it. You're defending the take by bringing up your now lock of the week, beating them. It's just <laughs> that's the ultimate okay. hedge. The yeah. Ultimate yes. hedge. Um, all right. Let, let me go through what I like. I, I, I I'm gonna tell you right now. It's late October. So Ohio I, State money line. I wonder if Vegas has has figured it out. Ohio State first half. I will take the. I will take. So I'm definitely gonna take the Ohio State first half money line. It, it's it, the odds can't be great because um, they're, they're favored by seven and a half against Wisconsin. Well, it's lower than usual against Wisconsin. Yeah, that so that's defense. that's a I'm a little bit that half I don't like. I, I don't like that half point. But again, they're outscoring opponents by 200 points um, in the first half of games this season. It's it's been nothing short of incredible. I think the scoring margin on average has been 38 and a half to to 5.2, which is um, so I will take Ohio State first half money line. If you can buy a point and get down to six and a half in the first half, I would do that as well. Um, let's see. I I like South Carolina money line, but I'm not going to take that. It's not where I'm going to go with it. Okay, I'm going to go Arizona State uh, money line over UCLA. They're a two and a half point favorite. You could probably take the two and a half points there. They've been playing well, haven't they? They beat Stanford, who sucks. Good point. And they're at home, so it's like who? Can, I mean, there's no home field advantage there. They're not a good team. Sixteen people there. <laughs> That's my default number for there's nobody but there's nobody in the stadium. Yeah. There's six, 15, 16 people. That's, that's always like when people are like, what are you, 12? Like when, like when yeah. people see somebody that's young. Um, I'm going to take Arizona State on that. I think that line is off. I don't, I don't get that. Um, let's see. What was the other one I really – oh, this is going to shock you. Notre Dame outright. They're an underdog against Michigan. I'll take Notre Dame to win. Mm. I, don't, I don't like that at all. And then the last but not least, um, Penn State. I'll – it's a six and a half. I'll take Penn State the money line as well. All money Penn line State. bets this week. Penn State has lost two straight games against Michigan State. I don't care. Penn State's one of the best teams in the country. Penn State is. Michigan State, State is. is garbage. And they are two and five against the spread. So I will take Penn State six and a half in the money line at home. Interesting. I mean, on the road. Cole Kubelik gave us a lot of great insight. It was fun getting to talk about... His uh, just his entire take on offensive lines. We've got basically all of them. Yeah, I think I think we broke down more about the Alabama, Georgia, and Auburn offensive lines than I think that we have in our entire time on the show combined. Yeah, I, it was I, good. I think it was really did you good share stuff. the Google Doc with him because he knocked out like three questions in one. 
Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I think he had a little sneak. It was awesome on that for sure. But Cole Cole is one of those people that if you take something that he says and you apply it into everyday conversation, you instantly sound smarter. So yeah. I recommend listening to this, rewinding it, being like, "Ooh, that's a good point. That's a really good point." Um, and then bring it up and sound really smart with all your friends. Yeah, so, bring up Lara bars. Yeah, for sure, definitely what she does as well. Um, here is our interview with Cole Kublik. We're now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is SEC Network analyst Cole Kubelik. Cole, last time we had you on, it was shortly removed from you getting video of one of your kids eating butter. Um, last week, you announced that you and your wife are expecting baby number three, so congrats to you. Very, very nice. Um, you did something that I respect the crap out of. Your baby announcement video involved an ad for Royal Buick GMC. Yeah, boss move. You have already made money off your unborn child's likeness. <laughs> I, I, I'm impressed, man. Not, I, I a little bit of clarification. I appreciate that. I made, I made no money off that deal. They, I have okay. a, I have a partnership with Royal Buick GMC, uh, RoyalBuickGMC.net. If you need to find them online, um, they're right on the corner of uh, Highway 31 and Interstate 65 in Vestavia, <laughs> just outside of Birmingham. Um, they, they provide a vehicle for me, a 2019 GMC Sierra that I drive that is, has the multifunction tailgate. It's the quietest pickup truck I've ever driven in. So <laughs> obviously when they knew that, that, uh, that we were having baby cube number three, we had to look to sort of upgrade. So, uh, you know, we've, we've got a few things picked out and we're going to obviously wait until the baby's here. No need to, to change anything out right now, but they sponsor my show on WJOX in Birmingham, three man front, 10 to two, jocksfm.com weekdays. But, uh, <laughs> They are. Uh, they're, they're, they treat me extremely well. Uh, some of the best guys in the car business that you'll ever meet. And uh, yeah, just I, I kind of wanted to do that with them because I thought it was a perfect fit to say, "Hey, I got a pickup truck. I love it, but I got a third kid coming, so I need some extra room." And it just kind of made sense. So, love it, love it. All, All right, well, Texas I'll, Pete, <laughs> I'll give you. Uh, I'll give you another little plug here. Um, your offensive lineman videos that you tweet out are always so good. Uh, you had over the weekend one with the caption, nice second-level finish from Alabama center 69 Landon Dickerson. That means you and Tom Hart have both made a public 69 joke in the last week. Uh, I, I noticed that yours came after his, though. Were you a touch jealous of the attention that Tom got for his 69 joke during your broadcast on Actually, Saturday night? I'll, I'll be honest with you. I asked Tom how and why that thing got as much run as it did because I didn't really get it. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. Mine, mine totally flew under the radar. So um, that was, that was a, a total accident on my part. But I'll take the credit for it, so I appreciate it. But I got we, we were in the car on the way home from the game, and I was like, Tom, what did you do? And he's like, what are you talking about? And it's like awful announcing has got it. You guys have made some joke about it. And, like, I mean, everyone was running with that thing. And I was just like, where did this – what is this derive from? And he just kind of laughed, like like Tom Hart's only evil laugh that he has. Right. Um, but I think, I think Tom knew exactly what he was doing. Um, I wasn't really following it. But, you know, that's Tom Hart for you. I, I mean, I'm going to give you credit for it because what I'm yep. hearing is – that two-thirds of the broadcast team seems to be really funny and up to speed on a lot of things, sense of humor, except for the third member. Like, is it safe to say Jordan Rogers is the is last in the comedic power rankings for the broadcast team? <laughs> Hell no. No. Uh, Jordan's one of the funniest guys you'll ever be around. He, um, he is a movie quote savant. And, <laughs> I mean, he will throw out – and I, some, some people will say, like, I'll be back. Like, Jordan will give you a paragraph from a movie, and you're just like, what, 
what was that from? And he was like, oh, remember the Titans? Uh, so-and-so telling them after the, the scene where they went in the locker room. And right. I'm thinking to myself, uh, no, if it's not Predator or Commando, like, I don't really remember it that well. Or <laughs> if it's not from the program, if it's not Alvin Mack telling me he's going to bust somebody's guts out and watch them die. Like, I don't really remember those lines from those movies. So, But, yeah, he's amazing. Jordan's a super funny dude. Uh, we all three are, like, equally evilly sarcastic in our own ways and so That's we all sort of get each other and we all understand completely where the other one's going the majority of the time so no jordan jordan's got a great sense of humor jordan has a lot of fun i think jordan because he is the most green of all of us in television and on games which that kind of sounds backwards because he's probably been on tv a hell of a lot more than we have right, but true. as far as doing games I think he is so surprised. And if I was standing next to him, I'd probably be the same way. Like, the only game I've done in the booth with Tom was the Old Miss spring game, which, I mean, let's be honest, you're doing a spring game, you, you kind of bullshit your way through the entire yeah. thing. So, like, you you have to make that thing entertaining somehow. And so I would probably be equally surprised by some of the stuff that Tom says. And also, you got to remember – Tom has this cult following in certain places, and he goes out of his way to try to gain fandom based on geography. So you'll hear him make references to the West End and different other places in Nashville, and he'll, he'll throw out Hattie B's, and then don't even get him started like this weekend we're going to be in Lexington because he has this plan to run for mayor of Lexington one day. I don't know if you guys know about this, but Tom oh, yes. has a life goal to one day be the mayor of Lexington. Like, this is not a joke. This is dead serious. Like, he is, there's two places that Tom Hart would move his family, Columbia, Missouri, and Lexington, Kentucky. And that's how much he loves being there. And he's actually looked into some of the potential candidates that he would have to run against. And he's looked into some of the people that have <laughs> recently been mayor and who is mayor now. So, like, he takes it pretty serious. So, he and the KSR guys are obviously big buddies, and they'll give him 52 things. Like, I don't even do it on my show anymore when he comes on with us every week because I feel like it's kind of been worn out. Like, hey, you know, say poop scoop on the air or, you know, <laughs> say stroller. And it's like, I mean, he can do he can get anything on the air, like literally anything. He can do it. So it's not even a challenge to me anymore. Uh, like, the, the challenge for Tom Hart, if anybody really wants to challenge Tom Hart, Tell him to shut up for five minutes in a broadcast. <laughs> that would be the most impressive thing that it, that Tom Hart could ever pull off. If you could be like, hey, I, I, you know what? I won't even go that far. Take a playoff. Like literally one snap. Don't say a word <laughs> between when one football is snapped and then it's snapped again on the following play. That would be an accomplishment. So if anybody wants to really <laughs> challenge Tom Hart, tell him to shut up for a whole play like one sequence of football, and if he can do that, then I, you have my respect because I don't think he can do it, and I don't think he would ever be able to pull it off. So that would be magic. That would be witchcraft. Like that would be some type of sorcery that I don't even know how that individual would be able to pull that off, but that would be the real challenge for Tom Hart. Okay, so we've got Jordan lobbying Rogers to do. funny. Okay, that is a uh... – Yeah. A lot, of stuff to, <laughs> a lot of stuff to dissect. My brother, my brother lives in Lexington, so we can get the the campaigning going. He'll start lobbying yeah. for money. I'll get some. Oh, signs. it's already we'll, going. Just go to Tony's on a Friday night when we have the game, and you'll see him walking around shaking hands and kissing <laughs> rear ends and adding babies. You know, it's too late for babies to be in there, so he's not kissing babies. So it's yeah. 
just go just roll into Tony's on a Friday night at about nine thirty when we have the game that weekend. You'll see Tom Hart in full mayoral effect. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So we we spent all off season talking about how Georgia was going to have the best offensive line in the country. I'm not sure if you were in that camp as well, but obviously you you'd seen them on film and they stood out to you. I'm sure. What's your evaluation of their performance so far, and how responsible are they for these offensive struggles? Uh, I mean, I would still probably give them a B plus, A minus, and and part of the reason for that would be they battled some injuries. You know, Isaiah Wilson has missed time. Ben Cleveland's missed a little bit of time. Uh, obviously, Solomon Kinley's missed a lot of time. So they've yep. really had to juggle. And then, you know, Jamari, Jamari Saylor comes in, and, and, and he has to miss some time after he fills in for somebody else. Cade Mays is playing left guard, right guard, right tackle. He's playing a little bit of tight end in certain, in certain packages. So – They've really had to juggle a lot of guys in a lot of different places. That hurts your continuity and that hurts your chemistry. And as an offensive line, if you're ever going to be great, you got to gel. You got to understand what the expectation is of the guys next to you, and you got to understand how to verbalize things. And sometimes that things are not going to be verbalized yet. You still know what those other four guys are going to do. So that takes time. And as limited as as practice has become before the season in fall camp, in spring ball, and during the season especially padded practices going either close to or full speed, there's, I mean, game time, game reps all of a sudden become your practice. Like that's where you learn how to be a group that knows how to play together. And there just hasn't been the same five on the field for an extended period of time. So I still feel like Sam Pittman's done a good job with that group. And, you know, here, here's a couple things. The South Carolina game, number one, Javon Kinlaw has shredded everybody yeah. he's played this year. Javon Kinlaw made Alabama look bad. Javon Kinlaw made Kentucky look bad. Kentucky has a great offensive line this year. Yeah. Javon Kinlaw made, made Georgia look bad at times. Like, he's that good, people. I don't know what's taking folks so long to understand that after Derrick Brown, Javon Kinlaw has been the most individually destructive interior defensive lineman in college football. He's a first-round pick. So, yes, anyone's going to struggle with him. Did they bust an assignment at right guard and it led to a tackle for loss against South Carolina? They did. Did Andrew Thomas get beaten pass pro late in the game for a sack? He did. But you're talking about a team that ran 95 plays. And the things that people are complaining about, by my count, consumed about 12 to 14 of those plays. So all of these people who are walking around saying, Georgia's offensive line got their ass kicked you know, for four quarters of that game, if you go back and study it, it's not real. Now, again, they are partially responsible. They had miscues. It happened. Mm-hmm. Guys got beat. It happened. But I saw a quarterback that had a lot of time in the pocket to operate the majority of that game. I saw DeAndre Swift going for 7, 9, 12, 15, 8, 4. Go look at the second down situations in the first half of that game for Georgia. You'll see second and four, second and six, second and five, second and three. That's called staying ahead of schedule and staying on schedule. And the Georgia offensive line helped them do that. So I'm not going to pin some of the struggles that that offense had when the quarterback drops the snap and doesn't get on the ground to get it, the receivers are dropping footballs, and the quarterback's got plenty of time in the pocket for the majority of his drops. And I mean, I think it's a similar situation, too, with Missouri last week. You know, Missouri had Missouri's offensive line had miscues. They missed a couple of twists and games that they didn't pick up. But the majority of the time, I see Kelly Bryant in the pocket with a ton of time. And I see open receivers. And I saw errant passes, and I saw bad decisions. So... For some reason, I feel like we've gotten away from shifting any of the blame to quarterbacks this year. It's like we need a guy 
to have a Jamie Howard in German in Jordan Hare Stadium performance from like 1989 or whatever that was to truly say a quarterback had a bad game. But there, a quarterback cannot throw four picks and still go a long way in costing you a football game. That's a real thing. It can happen. So I, I, I'm not overly concerned about Georgia's offensive line. I think continuity is, is something that has hurt them. And, you know, people need to understand when you're playing Derrick Brown, you're playing Javon Kinlaw, you're playing guys like that, you're going to get beat. We all get got, every single one of us. Every football player in the history of mankind has gotten beat at some point in time. It just happens. It does. Tackle, guard, center, defensive tackle, defensive end, linebacker, corner, receiver, quarterback, tailback, we all get got, every single one of us. And sometimes I think people see that happen once or twice in a game, and they feel like that tells the entire story of the game, and it's just not real. Well, uh, I have nothing left to overreact to. But yeah, that's I, like the whole time you were saying that, I was like, the two thoughts I have are like, one, I've learned more in this one answer than I have, I think, in the entire season of football so far. And two, like, before we record on Sunday mornings, I just, I need you to talk me off my tweets because that was such a sensible and logical response. It's just like, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Um, so you brought up continuity with Georgia and, and then answered the question I previously had. So I got to bring up Bama here. They've shuffled their starting uh, their starting offensive lineman as well, especially early in the season. They get they get Brown back at right guard. Um, they shift Dickerson over to center, and they finally look like they've gelled a little bit. Um, do you agree that that's the, probably the right five that should be playing? And do you think at any point this season they're going to look more similar to the dominating Bama O lines of the past? They'll never look like the Alabama offensive lines or of like eight, nine, ten, eleven because they're not going to play that style of football. They're just not. Right. They're not going. To, it's kind of like Joe Burrow's last year and Joe Burrow this year. Like people are like, "Ooh, did 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 you see this coming from Joe Burrow after last year?" Hell no, I didn't see it coming because none of us really believed the offense was going to look this way. Like none of us. And whether you just didn't believe that Orgeron would do it or whether you believe they were going to change a little bit of it, none of us thought this was coming. Like, no one saw this offense coming. Go back to media days and talk to T-Bob or Jacob Hester or anybody who's even close to that program, and they would say, no, I really think it's going to change. But they didn't think it was going to be this. None of us did. Yeah. And I think that's the misconception with that offense is that they didn't go shift a few things around. They didn't go add and subtract. It's a completely different offense. So – I don't know if the Alabama offensive line is going to be given the opportunity to look like uh, some of those offensive lines with, with Chance Warmack and Barrett Jones and Mike Johnson and some of those guys because, I mean, they were, hey, we're going to run inside zone, we're going to run power, and we're going to run right at you, and there's really nothing you could do about it. Like, they're, they're just – this Alabama team is not going to live that way. Uh, from what I've seen, and again, I'm not in practice every day, but from, from what I've seen, I do think this is their best combination right now. Um, you're you're ultra physical across the board with this group right now. I mean, you got 360 at left guard, you got 310 at center, uh, a guy who probably plays as nasty or nastier than anybody in college football. Uh, you got a big, physical, athletic 340 pound right guard. You got absolute Mauler at right tackle, the best right tackle in college football, in my opinion, in Jedrick Wills. Love it. And Alex Leatherwood. Don't I mean don't let how quiet of a year Alex Leatherwood is having fool you into believing he's not having a very good year sometimes an offensive lineman having a quiet year can be a great great thing because what do fans normally see penalties getting blown up and getting beat and you hadn't seen a lot of that from Alex Leatherwood this year so he's having a solid season um is it the best I mean I I mean time will tell because we don't really see what's happening in practice we don't know about the communication um but let's go back to what we talked about with Georgia we talked about continuity chemistry 
gel, growing together as one. Well, Alabama had an even tougher time being able to formulate that because you had a transfer who came in that had never played a snap in that uniform. You had a true freshman come in that had never played a snap of college football. And at the beginning of this whole thing, you had a guy playing center that had never started a game in college football. And you had a guy that started at right guard that had moved to left tackle and was for the first time becoming the full-time starter over there. So imagine that. That's a lot of difference. And different is usually difficult for college football players. They are creatures of habit. We are creatures of habit. And when things change, that doesn't always mean things are good, especially on offense. When things are different offensively, usually something has happened, something has gone wrong. Defensively, things change. You adjust. It's still kind of see ball, get ball. One or two guys can make a play and make a lot of other guys who were wrong still be right. That's not as easy to do offensively. So that much different, that much new only meant that they had that much more to overcome to actually grow as a single unit in a, in a single offensive line. They're getting there. I think the last two games have been their best two games. Uh, and the more games, the more reps they all get together, I anticipate that they'll only improve. Evan Neal's coming a long way. And that's not only so much with his physicality or his technique, but he was good for two or three busts a game for the first four or five games of the year. He has cut those down in a major way. I think I've only seen one busted assignment from him in the last two games. So he's starting to understand things. He's starting to process things. He's not thinking as much. He's playing in a much more comfortable manner. Deontay Brown didn't look great at right guard when he came in against Ole Miss. He's getting more and more comfortable over there because that's not a position that he's played a whole lot of. And I think Landon Dickerson continues to grow at center. So I think it's the best combination, and I think they're only going to get better because they're only going to have more and more snaps together, which they honestly haven't had a whole lot of. So, Cole, Marler and I both cited what you told us on the pod before the season about Auburn's defense carrying the load as Bo Nix progressed in Gus Malzahn's offense. You said that before Bo Nix was even named the starter. In other words, you predicted the future. Predict the future for what Auburn's second-half identity looks like. It's got to be running the football. It's still going to be leaning on that defense. And I think Marlon Davidson has exceeded expectations this year. I'm not going to say Derek Brown has exceeded expectations because I expected him to be the best interior defensive lineman in college football, and he has been that. I mean, he's up there with Chase Young in the discussion as the best defensive player. Maybe should be in the discussion as the best player in college football. That's how good wow. Derek Brown has wow. been. But, again, you get people who go look at the stat sheet, look at box scores, and say, well, he doesn't have 20 sacks, so he can't be the best player when it's just – it's go back again to the Georgia game last year when Derek Brown is rerouting runs and Derek Brown's not allowing – guards and centers to be able to climb the linebackers and he's forcing cutbacks and people will tell you because he didn't have eight tackles he didn't have a good game but it, you watch the film it'll tell you a totally different story uh he's been that good so i do think it's a team that's still going to have to lean on the defense they're still going to have to make plays um i think this is a perfect situation for them if auburn's going to win this game to be the reason that auburn wins this game because there are some holes in the lsu offensive line they have played really well at times but they've also moved some pieces around. So that continuity that we talked about is not necessarily their strong suit right now. Um, and the identity offensively has to be running the football. Um, Auburn's offensive line has been solid. Uh, they don't wow you. They're, they're not going to give you a lot of highlights. They're not mowing people off the ball. Uh, there's not going to be a lot of pancakes. Uh, it's not going to be utter destruction at any moment. But you don't see many missed assignments. You don't, get, you don't, you don't see guys getting blown up into the backfield. Um, you don't see a lot of bad losses. There were a couple early. That's actually improved a little bit. But all in all, they've been solid. I would say they've been about a B, B-plus this year. And 
for what they have around them, that can be good enough. Considering you have two quarterbacks with mobility that have different styles of mobility, and you've got some perimeter runners with Schwartz and Shivers, guys who can really go when they get out on the edge, defense you are going to have to defend that. So you have to utilize that to continue to be able to open up the run. Now, obviously, no Booby Whitlow hurts because I feel like he was their best runner between the tackles. Maybe Gatewood can get a little bit of that. Maybe Harold Joyner. I think Harold Joyner is the best north-south runner they have right now. And maybe DJ, DJ Williams comes down to a trust factor because he's got the talent, he's got the ability. It was a limited amount against Arkansas, but you saw it. He runs low. He runs leaning forward. He finishes forward. He's got the ability to make cuts. He's explosive. But do you trust it's like him? Like Cam a little bit. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, I think I think he's actually quicker, a little bit more explosive. But you know, okay. do you, do you trust him with ball security? Do you trust him in pass protection? Those are the areas that the coaches are going to have to make decisions of. Do we give him the ball 15 times against LSU in Tiger Stadium in a gigantic game? You know, we don't know that. We'll find that out. But they have to be a team that is successful running the football because you cannot give Bo Nix 60, 70 percent of the workload offensively on his arm. If you do, then I, I think you're going to find yourself in trouble, especially against a defense like LSU, like Alabama, and the other defenses that they have to play down the stretch. So lean on that D-line, lean on that defense. The secondary still can cover, can still tackle extremely well. Linebackers have played well. Stay out of mismatches with slot receivers, and don't ask your quarterback to do more than he's capable of doing. Allow him to make good decisions and run the football. That That's what Auburn's identity needs to be. Now, whether it is that, might be a bit of a different question. Cole, we want to get you out of here on a, on two-minute drill. We, we, know, uh, we know your time is, is precious and valuable these days. Um, it, it's a revamped version of what you've done the first time. What you did the first time you came on this pod, totally different, but kind of the same exact thing. So Marler's got a 10-pack of questions for you that will get you out on here. And by the way, real quick, it needs to be said, the running back situation is easy. You just put Derek Brown at running back. That's just mm-hmm. bottom line. We, we figured it out. That's it. I don't know. He might um, fall down in the open field. So that, would be bad. <laughs> that, that was bad. <laughs> true. Uh, true. All right, so we'll get you out of here, like I said, with the two-minute drill. Ten questions, rapid-fire responses. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, first question. Go to road trip snack. Uh, usually Laura Bar's. Okay. All Healthy. right. Yeah, mine's barbecue sunflower season Dr. Pepper's. That's that's a better answer, Cole. Um, okay. To keep the weight Sec- off. It's not easy. <laughs> Fair enough. Second question. Uh, Christmas is coming up in a couple months. What shoes or sneaks do you have on the wish list? Any pair of Yeezys, honestly. I need. I only have one. I got my first pair of Yeezys like two weeks ago, and I need more. So really, any pair other than the Hospital Blue uh, 700s that I just got. I'm just inferior to you in so many ways. Just your swag, your knowledge, everything. It's, it's incredible to listen to. Um, you travel all the time. Go-to airport purchase. Uh, my, I have one purchase at the Birmingham airport every single time when I arrive before I get on my flight, and it is a bottle of smart water and multiple packages of liquid IV. Uh, so I go ahead okay. and get the hydration knocked out before I even get on a plane. Uh, I'm addicted to those things. I love them. Smart move. I, I thought I was gonna say, you were going to say trail mix because for whatever reason, everyone likes to buy trail mix at the airport. Um, your fourth question. What's a bigger banger, Baby Shark or that AT&T boy band commercial? <laughs> I'm going to go Baby Shark because my kids love it and they can sing okay. it and they know it. And I'm not even sure I could recite the AT&T boy band commercial. But 
Baby Shark Baby Shark bumps in my house. So that's that song is a banger. Right, so follow up question: favorite cartoon or kids movie to watch with the kids? Uh, right now it's Spookily the Square Pumpkin. Uh, we usually get we get that in about once a day, and I know nobody probably knows what that is. I didn't know what it is until last year, and we found it. Now my daughter was addicted to it. Now my son's addicted to it. So being close to Halloween, Spookily the Square Pumpkin is on repeat in my house. Okay, love it. We got five more here. Uh, coach from the past, you would most want to break down film with that coached me, or just any coach ever. Any coach ever. Oh, man, that is impossible. Um, I'm going to say Joe Moore because, obviously, I'm the chairman of the, of the voting committee for the Joe Moore Award and hearing stories from Aaron Taylor and some of his teammates about how incredible he was. Uh, that would probably have to be the guy. Good okay. Um, PB brought this up earlier this week on SEC This Morning. If there's an SEC Network Royal Rumble, who wins? <laughs> um... I think the the first off, there's three misconceptions in this, and it's me, Chiswick, and Marcus. Number one, yep. Marcus is going to be Marcus is going to be gassed out in 20 seconds. You can forget that. <laughs> that, that, that over. Okay, I am I am physically broken, so there's just no way that I'm gonna. I mean, I'll be alive and I'll keep trying, but I'm not going to be able to win it because my body is just broke. I'm not going to get into it because of HIPAA violations, but I think Chiswick is probably not far behind me from a physical standpoint. Like, I just don't know if he could last. Like, that's not because of heart or desire or, like, being mean. I just – I physically don't know if he would make it. So then we still – like, we really get down to some scrawny dudes at that point. So, like, it's not going to be Peter Burns. Uh, No. It's not going to be McElroy because McElroy is just soft. He's such a chewed-up bubblegum right now. I think uh, <laughs> I don't really know what to. I think the wild card would be DJ Shockley. Uh, Ooh, I think that's Jordan. Good. I think Jordan Rogers would do more damage than people anticipate. But okay. the winner of the whole thing would be Chris Doring. Uh, yeah, of course. There it is. If, I don't know if people have any idea what kind of shape Chris Doring is in, but like he could oh, be on the cover of Muscle and Fitness magazine like tomorrow. So Doring would win it. I think it would come down between he. Shockley and Rogers, and and I think Rogers' quickness and elusiveness will probably keep him in the mix a little bit longer than DJ's, and then Doring would just finish him off. Okay, that's a good answer. It's, I like the self awareness too, because I, I mean I get it. I'm emotionally broken, not physically, so but I, I still get it. Um, what is more solid, LSU's offense, US, UGA's defense, or Jordan Rogers' hair gel? Jordan doesn't use gel now, so and I'm Ooh. embarrassed that I know this, but he does okay. use product, but it's not gel. Uh, I don't know, some kind of pomade or something weird, cream, like it's 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 really thick. Um, but I'm gonna say Georgia's defense only because yeah. listen, LSU's offense is next level. But I just want to give a little bit of love to the Georgia defense, and I appreciate you guys bringing that up because nobody's talking about how good a ball they're playing, and they are playing lights out football right now. So Georgia's defense deserves a lot more credit than they're getting. Love it. Last question. I've got a comedy show in an hour and a half. What's the best joke I should use on stage? Hit me. <laughs> um, first off, kudos to you for even getting up there and doing it. Uh, I don't know how. I'm, I mean, I got my buddy Arky Shea that he should do radio with has done it some. A uh, good friend of mine, Cassio Kid, still does it. And I just I don't know how people get up in front of other people and tell jokes and try to make them laugh because 
if I if I told two jokes and it didn't make people laugh hysterically, I would just drop the microphone and leave. But <laughs> I don't have anything for you, man. I really don't. I have no good well, jokes. Well, thanks for nothing, uh, I Cole. Have, I have I have one good joke that is not safe for radio or podcast, and I'm not risking it by putting it out there. So I apologize. Okay. Well, that's that's fair and it's, that's I, it's okay. honest. And you know what? We'll give you 69 points in total. That's a very nice round. Nice. As Tom Hart would say. <laughs> um, I still don't know Cole, what it means or how it started, but uh, I guess it's funny. So. Don't Google 69 jokes. That'll be bad. You don't yeah. want to do that. Um, Cole, on behalf of Royal Buick GMC, we appreciate <laughs> you coming on. We appreciate you it's coming on. I uh, love your GMC. stuff. Net. They have every color, every trim level of the 2019 GMC Sierra. If you're interested, yeah, just it. go to royalbuickgmc.net. Beautiful. That is beautiful. incredible. Cole, appreciate you coming on. We'll do it again real soon, man. Thanks for having me, fellas. Take care. Have a go, man. Thanks. Appreciate Cole coming on. He is a recurring guest, a very good guest to have on to break down just a lot of different things that, let's be honest, we don't have time to watch games the way that he does, and I always appreciate his insights on everything. I feel like I learned just a million things from listening to him talk. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I'm a little disappointed in him because... uh, you know, I asked him a very simple, basic question. Tell me your best joke that I can say on stage. And he didn't. And, I, you know, I didn't have a good set last night. And I, I, I am going to blame Cole. Blame him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, let's get to fourth and wrong. So each and every week, we ask you guys in the Facebook group, if you're not a member of the Facebook group, please go join it. Because we were having a blast in there, man. It is a lot good of fun. Good old time. Good, especially coming up the weekend with games and stuff and all that stuff. Um, but we asked the fourth and wrong questions on Sunday. Or I think it might have been Saturday at 1 a.m. Yep. after the games, because I thought we were doing them on Sunday morning. We were not. But regardless, we have some good ones for you this week. Uh, the non-football-related questions or advice you guys wanted answered, here you go. First question, if you could steal one tradition, song, or chant from another school and have it for yours, what would you choose? I know yours is going to be Florida State. That's from Mickey Sheremy. All I would want is for my band to play Neck. <laughs> yes! Yes! Same Answer, dude. Yes, absolutely. I'm sorry for yelling, everybody. I, I'd, I'd also probably want the Iowa wave as well. Or no, I, I think singing. Don't follow up. You should have opened with Iowa if you're gonna. Yeah. If you can't. You can't have a soft close like that. <laughs> I'm gonna have a soft close. The Iowa wave's cool. You talk about things that give you chills. Yeah. The Iowa wave is is definitely one of them. It's yeah, just, just just play neck. That's fine. It's just weird that you would have those two as your. As your <laughs> I would like to wave to these kids that are sick, and then also I'd like to tell a team to blank that blank. Um, Iowa fans would do that. The real question is: Would you say the? Would you sing along, and would you, or would you censor yourself during it? I'm gonna, sure. you know, I'm gonna be singing it this weekend. <laughs> oh, you're gonna belt it out. You're gonna belt it out, no doubt. I can't wait. But I, I think it's, just, I think it's, I mean, you know, regardless of my, my policy on cursing all that, yeah. not to have like a holier than art thou mindset. But like, I, I, think it's, I think it's, yeah, that's a little Shakespeare for you. Um, <laughs> not to have that mindset too much. I think it's hilarious. I think yeah. it's funny that they that that they do that, and people that get offended by it, it's like, all right, let's let's understand kind of what the surrounding is, what the element is. Yeah. I'll have a good time. So I just I and mean, I want to see it this weekend. I know I can't wait. I can't wait. Okay, second question from Teresa Jurgens is: If you could relive one day of your life over, what would it be? Couple answers here. Wedding day, obviously. Wedding day is amazing. Yeah. Once when you when you experience that day, and you'll experience this too, you find yourself looking at the clock, thinking to yourself, "I I don't want this to be late in the day." That's I, I want to just be able to like kind of live in this yeah. moment for a long time. Ours went so well. Everything just worked out so perfectly. That's an obvious answer that I think everybody would have. 
I surprisingly would absolutely not want to relive the day of, of watching the Cubs win the World Series because that was one of the most painful, stressful days of my life <laughs> that I would never want to go back to how, how, how nervous I was in that moment yeah. watching the Indians potentially have the go-ahead runner at the plate. Never, 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 ever need to see that again. One day I really would want to go back to, and I think about this a lot. In fifth grade, I had my birthday. I was... So it was, it was a Thursday. I was the this I was the cl- the class president, school president, in my elementary <laughs> wait, school. Wait, wait, the school, the whole it gets school. Better. Yeah, the whole school. In I was fourth the school grade, president. fifth grade, okay. fifth grade. I was a school president in fifth grade. The senior or the fifth grade class trip was a Cubs game. So for the Cubs game, because I was the the, the school president, you said I got it, yeah, to, we get it, bro. <laughs> yeah, sick brag. I got to pick my my supervisor, my chaperone, and we had an awesome dare officer. Who came in and spoke like once a month essentially? He was the coolest dude ever. I would go, I would I want to go back and talk to this guy to this day. So I got to pick him as my chaperone. I got to pick my entire group of people. So I picked all my buddies. I got to go to a Cubs game, watch it, watch it with my buddies. And then when I came home, that so I didn't have school that day. I just went to a Cubs game. And then I came home and I remember we were building our, our sun porch in my, my parents' house when I was a kid. And I get home, and we have Lumel Nadi's and chocolate cake waiting for me. Lumel Nadi's is deep dish Chicago pizza, nice my favorite thing in the world. Yeah. Had chocolate cake waiting for me, and then my, my presents were just a, a billion baseball cards that night. Oh, that's fun. It was, it was the perfect day, and I just would want to go back because I just remember being at peace and looking around as a fifth grader and thinking to myself, it's not going to get much better than this. Connor... Just to reiterate, your was that a your lot? best day ever was <laughs> with a dare things. officer. No, um, he was the chaperone. He bought me a hot dog. It was great. That it was is cool. Awesome okay, hold on. We, so I, this is gonna be a long episode, but I don't care. We we I gotta we gotta unpack some stuff here. You were a class president. I I gotta know from Mister No Nonsense Connor. But like, but no offense. I I like most people that win like a school election. They're like, well, we're getting like smoothies and milkshakes for lunch. Like all that. What, so what was your promise that you were you were like? What was like your platform? I had a lot. I had a lot of promises. I wanted some sort of. I had a lot of different field days planned. I wanted more stuff. Like, every, did you have field day when you were in multiple field days? I, something like, like that. We want a winter field, like a winter Olympics field day, and then yeah, yeah, I had a bunch of ideas that were just shot down immediately. But I still wanted. <laughs> I'd have to go back and look because there were there were some good ideas. I had a good speech. That's, I was able that to honestly a good speech, sounds like every politician I've ever heard. It's like I, I made so many promises. I made so many promises. And we just didn't carry anything. Down yeah, um, that's funny, man. I didn't. I, that's I would I would have loved to have seen that. Like you, you being like how, I know how buttoned up you are in general now. I don't imagine much was different when you were like ten or eleven. Uh, it was different. Yeah. Was okay. Different. Fair enough. Um, okay. Uh, What's the question again? Favorite day Best, ever? Uh, relive one one day in your life. Um, I just can't believe you were class president in fifth grade, and in sixth grade I was kicked out of school. So it's like... <laughs> Different lives we lived. <laughs> um, Best day of my life. I hate to say this because it sounds so cliche, but the, the 2017 National Championship game was like... That's the first National Championship game I ever got to go to. And I think I was so stressed with stuff going on. Like, I had to work that morning at the Hall of Fame, and we were doing something, and it kind of rained, and then Allie had to meet me down there. I was so, like, ready for it to be here. I kind of just, it, it almost seemed like a, I didn't, I didn't take time to enjoy the moment as much. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And, and so, um, like, in, in, during the game, like, I was still trying to do some STS stuff, and so I was, like, 
you know, I, my first ever Facebook Live was when Bama lined up to kick the field goal. They missed. Oh, yeah. Um, so stuff like that. I wish that I would have just taken more time to just be in the moment and enjoy what was going on because that was such a cool thing. And especially since that's the last one they'll ever win since the dynasty's over. So it's like, I'm kidding. We, we started recording our podcast shortly after that. So basically, it's been all downhill since then. What you, last year was the year of Marler, and right now we're getting back into it. Like, I'm, I'm crushing the end of the year right now. Revenge Tour Marler is Re- coming out. Yeah, Revenge Tour. By the way, might, um, actually, we'll talk about this off here. Anyway, third question What's the dumbest tradition in the conference? That's from Marshall Perkins. All right, I, I know I've You got hate in your heart. Let it out, Connor. I've been hard on you guys today, and I, you got to know, Aggie fans, I love you. I, I think this your, your is, yes. class ring, I think your class ring thing is weird. I don't get it. But the midnight yell thing, I get even less. I, I you know what? <laughs> I think I'm all for for school spirit, and maybe I just need to experience it to really truly understand it. I can admit I've never experienced the midnight yell. But gathering the night before a game and just getting to the stadium and letting about out practice. I don't, I don't know, man. That's just not my typical tradition that I would like. I'm so glad that that you're you're saying this and not me. There, there was a time like not a lot of you know this, and I'm and I'm glad. That the we didn't renew the the site itself, but when I had my own blog, <laughs> Red White and Bro, and it was basically just oh, me, yeah. like Uncle Chris, like having some drinks after work and then writing things for the public to see. I had a lot of opinions on that whole Aggie tradition of just you know everyone dressing up as fake army men and doing this whole finger wave thing. It was it's weird. It's but like. Again, it's cool they believe it. The class ring thing, I don't get. I don't. I, would, I don't get that. I've never understood never the class that. ring thing. I think it's just because I'm I'm cynical in general, and that Tom Segura <laughs> joke he does about that. It's like, like class rings are like Corvettes. Like, if you have one, you definitely peaked in high school. And why are you Why are you still showing it off? Like, it's just, just do what the rest of us do. Wear that that ratty old shirt that says you're an alumni, whatever school you went to, that you work out in probably, and you're like, you can see somebody at the gym and say, oh, you went to blah blah blah. You're like, yeah, yeah stop talking to me. <laughs> Who are you right now? Um, anyway, but so, but I, so I can't say that is the weirdest, the dumbest tradition, uh, because of the fact that like, you know, because they, they buy into it so much. The weirdest tradition for me, or the dumbest tradition for me in the SEC, um, I don't like that two bits yell from Florida, and I know Florida what? fans think because it's just like I, I love, I love the idea. I just listen. I love the idea of what. He does like pumping the crowd up, and it gets everyone going. But it's like, remember that that video I posted the other day of, of Phil Fulmer after the national championship, and he's like, "Hip hip hooray!" Like that—that's a weird. Oh, where Al Gore turns. Yes, yeah, like, and yeah, he's yeah, like, "Hip hip hooray!" Like that is who says that in a moment of like, let's celebrate. You know, that would let's never get an organized chant from the 1920s. But so it's like one bit, two bits, four bits, a dollar. Like I don't, I don't, I don't really like that. Hands down, though, the absolute dumbest, dumbest thing, tradition, and, and I don't think people really know this that much. I've, I've only noticed in the past couple of years. When Van, Vandy walks out of whatever side extra building they come out of, it's like a high school gymnasium, and then walks into the stadium with that stupid anchor, don't give me a chore before I have to go to kickoff. Like, that is the dumb. When you have to carry a heavy-ass anchor into the stadium, where does it even go after that? It's about the brand. (laughs) Sure, man. People will forget that they are about anchored down. And if you don't have an anchor, how are you going to remind people that that's part of your rally cry? Blows my mind. That's like, like, somebody's like, what should we do? You're like, I I don't know. Do people really care? You know what? We do need to anchor down. I'm so glad they brought that 300 pound anchor walking it into the stadium. Yeah, it's dumb. 
Um, and then anything involving Auburn mascots, too. Anyway, moving on. The uh, last question. If you had to live a day as a movie character, who would it be? For instance, you wake up as Gatsby and call everyone old sport all day. I don't know why that was the example Joe Morrison gave, but that is the question from Joe Morrison nonetheless. He's the man. Now, Gatsby's too easy of an answer, but he's got a lot of emotional turmoil. He's what? Got, no, he's got problems. The answer to this question is simple. It's the kid from Blank Check. Yes! He's got not a single problem in the world. He's a kid with a million-dollar check. Why he doesn't write the check for $100 million or a billion dollars is beyond Yeah. Him. But he's got a million dollars, and he's a kid. He's got no worries until he's got problems later on. But he's, he's dating an older woman. That's, he's dating that's, an older woman. There's which so is, many things that were wrong with that movie. You know, but... Uh, but that kid lives the life. Every kid who grew up in the 90s wanted to be that kid yeah. from Blank Check. I'm, I'm a 29-year-old man. I still want to be the kid from Blank Check. Yeah, so I was, uh, my answer is going to be Richie Rich. But, um, same but thing. But that's yeah. Yeah, the same thing. But, so one of my favorite, one of my favorite lines. McDonald's in the home. Yeah, exactly. The, the Blank Check thing, though, this is, to this day, I am, I am 33 years old, and I will never not laugh at this. When Henry the limo driver says, he's like asking about date advice, and he's like, listen, take her to like a nice all-you-can-eat buffet. Okay, and then line your pockets with little Ziploc baggies. It doesn't say all you can eat here. It doesn't say on the sign, does it? No, no. Oh man, women love that. You get home, you got you got a nice pocket full of, of chicken wings. There's nothing turns a woman on more than that. You learn some. Uh, what do you say? Said, get yourself some nice clothes. Get yourself a nice car. Learn to say words like non-committal. You're a date and a half. That is like one of the best lines ever. Um, the, real quick, <laughs> we need to unpack this just for a quick second. I know this is going to be a long pod. The woman who dates the kid from Blank Check. She's what a she tell her friends? Though. She's not well, dating him. She's <laughs> she fancies him. <laughs> what does she tell her friends? What are you doing tonight? Ah, I've got this kid who's like eight years old. I've got a date with Preston. Go for nice dinner. Like what? I, you know. Also, what's, what's, what sucked about Blake Check though? Because that is one of my favorite movies of all time. But what was weird about it was, uh, like, there's no way that 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 everything he had only cost less than a million dollars. Like, he, oh, like, he, he, like he the house was like $200,000. Like, it was like a castle. I tell you what, though, this is, this is like, the coolest thing I've, I've maybe seen in any kid's movie ever. Like, if I could ever do something in, like, a dream home, he had a water slide from his bedroom down to the pool. That's the coolest That's blank the, ever. That was it right there. Yeah. You're exactly right. That was the one thing that I, I still want to do as an yeah. adult that I am very envious of. Um, sure. I guess I still have to give an answer here. <laughs> Old sports. Uh, if I could, if I could be any movie character, uh, what, man, it'd be hard not. I mean, Richie Rich, I think would be it. Like you just have, yeah, you have everything. Is that a lame answer? Well, you had to buy his friends, kind of. <sighs> I mean, just, it, no one else had to like. His parents didn't really love him. Yeah, yeah I'm fine with that. Uh, <laughs> I got, I got past the fantasy. I got that one. That's good. I, I don't I like save him. I, yeah. I just, I did. I think that uh, in, in every other movie, like there's like something horrific they have to overcome. True. You know what True. I mean? Nobody just gets to be the man yeah. or the woman for an entire right. movie. I don't want to be like Braveheart. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like right. all, if you're a gladiator. Like, you know, I don't want to... Fast and Furious, you still basically have to risk your life driving these cars and... You know. Yeah, I did not want to be Fast and Furious. That was a, um, I thought you were going to say that. Maybe The Rock and something. You know what? The Rock and something. It could be literally anything. Not because, Daddy Daycare? Not, was he in Daddy Daycare? I don't that know. Was, was that Arnold Murphy? or The Rock? That was Eddie, oh, Eddie Murphy. Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Rock has been in movies like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's, that's, that's my answer. The Rock in anything. Okay, fair enough. Let's close with It Might Mean Too Much. This was a tweet thread from Bama Sportsball. So a little background here. You know, he threw this out there and basically said, hey, uh, I've got this, um, I've, I've essentially got this long, 
um, this long story. Not really, it's not really long, but it's a it's a five tweet thread that I wanted to share. So I'm gonna I'll read this for you. So he starts by saying. This happened uh, either during the Arkansas State or the Louisiana Lafayette games uh, early in the season last year. I was watching the game at the Alabama bar in Charlotte, Whiskey Warehouse. Toward the end of the game, both Tua and Jalen were done for the day, and Mac came in for mop-up duties. In his, in his few series on the field, he was mostly handing off, but there were a handful of plays that he would get absolutely demolished by a rushing defender. He was getting hit on enough plays to be noticeable. However, he always managed to get up and get ready for the next play. So at the bar... There was one fan who was not noticeably more drunk than most everyone there. And like I said, you could tell that Mac was getting leveled on just about every play possible, but he'd always get up. And that impressed this one dude in particular. After a few plays, this dude kind of started shouting stuff like, damn, that's a tough kid, or that dude is an effing warrior. Normal (laughs) stuff to say during a game. Finally, there was one play that that Mac got hit yet again, and this dude raised his beer and exclaimed, Mac the Warrior. And to our surprise, the dude had others around him toasting to Mac the Warrior. And ever since then, the nickname has stuck with my friend group. So whenever we see him take the field, that's Mac Jones, we all yell that name at the TV or in whatever stadium we're in. Mac the Warrior. I, I love I love you to death for being a Bama fan, dude. But I'd like to re, rename my least favorite tradition in the SEC. Mac the Warrior? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Not a fan? Uh, that's good. That's, 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 that's something. Thank you for Bama Sports Ball for sending that in. I, by the way, have, I love the sports ball thing. That that, that name he threw, that was awesome. He's, he's, that's that's funny. We're going to get to five-star reviews over the weekend. We've already kind of run a little bit long, but please continue to send those in. Appreciate everybody who has done that. Read the story that I wrote on our good friend now, Gene Chizik. It's awesome. I spent a lot of time doing this. You have not read it yet, so I appreciate you just saying <laughs> that. I love the blind, the blind confidence. Thank you very much. Make sure you read that. It's a longer read. Bookmark it. Do whatever you have to do. Loved getting to tell his story, his post-Auburn journey. Hold on, real quick. We, since 2012. I know we talked about the long pod thing. Did you see the post about like shortening shortening the pod? I did not see that. So somebody, and, and I we appreciate all feedback. And I forgot the exact name of the guy who said it. And I was like, yeah, that guy, that's probably true. We should shorten the pod. Because like, we did not. No, we, we never do. But like, and they've gotten longer. Every single response under it was like, No. Absolutely not. Like, I make them longer if you want. So we've got about another two hours to kill. If you want to just read it, <laughs> read it, and like in slow as possible, and we'll just we'll just do that for the next part of the pod. Yeah, we've got to get ready for our for our trip. Oh, uh, got some packing to do. Going to be a, a lot of fun. Looking forward to that. So yeah, well, I'm going to see you uh, tomorrow. Actually, oddly enough, I need to get a nap down. I'm going to be grumpy. Yeah, I don't want grumpy Marley. No. Can't have yawning Marley. More importantly, oh, it's going it's to be a lot of yawns tomorrow, but it's going to be fine. Make sure you follow all of our social media content. We're going to try and do a bunch of different things from Baton Rouge. It's going to be a lot of fun. Follow us on Twitter at the SDS Pod, at Vern Funquist, at CJ O'Gara. Make sure that you are tuning in to Facebook Live, which we think we're going to do Saturday morning before the game. Yeah, so that'll be the Saturday morning um, SDS tailgate live video. And then, you know, we had like 11,000 people that watched the Facebook Live on Monday. Yeah, it was awesome. It was, like, I don't know what happened. Just like. Like the, it's the biggest one in a while. So yeah, we'll do that on Monday at 8.30 p.m. And then uh, this Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern. So I guess 9 a.m. Central. I gotta learn time zones when we're on this trip. I know, Central time zone. If you're going to be in the house, you're going to be in the entire stadium, reach out to us. Yeah. We'd love to be able to meet up with some people at tailgate and whatnot and get to talk to people. That would be a whole lot of fun for us. So, Marler, do we have Coach Al? Or is I, he's just saving his boys? We gotta start working on the Matt Luke thing so he can say other things besides his own name. 
That's true. That's true. But you do say it very well. You say it very, very well. So, we will talk to everybody on Sunday. That's the point. Singing neck, baby. We'll see you then. <laughs> <laughs>